It's time debit card users are also included in the cashback fun. Now everyone can get cashback on everyday purchases with Discover Cashback Debit. That includes no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture. From the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between, we'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, howdy. Ho, ho, ho. Happy day after Christmas. This is So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your... Tuesday episode? What day is it? It's been, I really couldn't tell you what day it is, but I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday right now. So let's go with Tuesday, even though I wish it were still the weekend. I think we just had Christmas and now we enter that weird period of time between Christmas and New Year's where you don't know where the F you are. You don't know what day, what time, if you're at your family's house, it all becomes kind of some in between area that is so confusing and scary that you don't <laughs> you don't know what to do with yourself um so we're now in that period of time so hopefully i can i can help you through that in some way and maybe you can help me through it as well uh did everybody have a good time with their families was it too much was it just enough was it not nearly enough so many feelings thoughts vibes that happened during these holidays so i hope it was, uh, I hope it was good for everybody. Uh, listen, I'm in Arizona right now and it has been really good. It has been weird. It has been all of the things, uh, much different than Thanksgiving, um, for many reasons. Uh, it has been, uh, it's been, it's been a little, it's been, it's been more somber, I think. And I think that's probably okay. <laughs> it's been, it's been different. There's a lot of things. A lot of things that that have been really much different than Thanksgiving, and it was uh, it's been it's been sad. I just did a, a Patreon. I did a bunch of mashups because I've been threatening to do that, and uh, I did a whole holiday mashup mix over there. And uh, I love music. You guys know I used to start the show with music all the time, and it is just my favorite. And if you're in a bummed out mood, if you're in a happy mood, if you're in any mood, music will always make you feel better. It could make you feel worse if you want to feel worse, because sometimes we're masochists like that. I love to get bummed out to sad music. Are you kidding? Oh, it's one of my favorite pastimes ever. Oh, so uh, so we did a little bit of that. We also had a lot of fun mashups over there, um, but it, it's been weird. And I just, I want to, and uh, you know, to everybody out there that has dealt with a loss this year, and I know it's a lot of us, uh, I'm with you. Uh, and I don't mean that in some sort of, hey, you know, like I genuinely am with you. It has been such a weird, uh, it's been such a weird last three months. I mean, it's God, let's say it's been a weird last couple of years, but, uh, you know, and I think the, the fallacy to this is that I thought I kind of, I Thanksgiving was ripping the bandaid, right? You know, that was ripping the bandaid off of first holiday without mom. And then I thought, okay, I got this. It's going to, you know, and I kind of got a little cocky thinking that it would be, you know, not great. And I mean, there's elements that are good, but overall 
it has just been, uh, there's been a lot of sadness. And I think what it is too, and I mentioned this over on the Patreon is that I, um, you know, you, you take for granted sometimes the space that somebody filled up and only sometimes during holidays or these big kind of occasions when you are around family that you realize you took advantage of somebody's space. You know, you, 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 you just assumed that they would always be there just so stupidly assumed. And so there has been a lot of quiet, a lot of quiet. And if you knew my mom and you knew her a little bit, um, there was not a lot of ever, there was not ever a lot of quiet, quiet with her. Uh, it was, it was always filling up the space in the best way. And sometimes in an annoying way, when she would tell me to, to do things or get off my butt or whatever, but I think that's the thing is the quiet. And, uh, you know, I could have released an episode today and I was talking to Sophie, who, by the way, is now on vacation and, and Sophie got engaged and we, we've talked a couple of times since then and she was wanting to do it and I just wasn't there where I could do it or I wanted to do it. And I was kind of trying to sit in this silence and sit in all these feelings and um, figure it out, which is can be difficult for me um, because this is helped me through a lot of things, but it's been interesting. And my sister's done such an amazing job, um, at really, you know, picking up where my mom left off and just doing it her own way, but also making it super special and honoring mom. And, uh, there's just, uh, I think that's just the thing that I'm finding it hard to deal with is just the space that she has left behind. And it's this wide open space, uh, and you can just feel her sometimes not being here. And I think there's been so many times, and I think we all maybe hopefully have gone through this, where you're wanting to talk to her. I don't even care. Like, come haunt me. Like, come, I beg, you know, please, I want to dream. I want to, you know, we were looking up at the moon last night. And I just thought, where is she? Where is she? Is she up there? Is she? Can she give me some sort of signal? Can she tell me what, the, you know, like, can she be here? for me, uh, right now, not even for me, just to like, just to be there, just to smell, just to see, just to take up that space that she so brilliantly filled. And, uh, I only say this because I know a lot of you guys, uh, have talked about your families. In fact, I got so many messages over the last day about this and sharing your own stories. And, uh, I think that is so, you know, it's so amazing. I, I, this will get fun. I swear to God, it will. It will. I just wanted to say one more thing. This is what I, th I was watching CBS Sunday Morning because I'm old. And uh, the CBS Sunday Morning, I think, is this brilliant news magazine show early in the morning on Sundays. And Jane Polly hosts it. And it's a real good news magazine story. It has some entertainment, has some world news, has like weird things of like, how did your favorite game get invented? It's really, it's just great. It's great. It's good. Have a cup of coffee, watch all of these stories. And there was this story. Um, with Albert Brooks, one of my favorite comedians. I love Albert Brooks so much. There's a really good documentary about his life and work called uh, Defending My Life, Albert Brooks, directed by Rob Reiner. And it was this interview with Rob Reiner and Albert Brooks. And let me, I wrote this down. Let me pull it up here. I thought this meant so much. They were talking about life and they had went to high school together. They both went to Beverly Hills High School together. That's, you know, they've known each other for decades upon decades. And I just thought, how amazing is that? Um, but they were talking about life 
And I know this took me a second to actually try to work through the meaning of it. Uh, Albert Brooks says, life works best when you remember. And I was like, huh, my mind didn't, you know, when you hear something and your mind doesn't want to really make sense of it or doesn't, you can't make sense of it for some reason. And it must make sense to you probably immediately, but I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, what does that mean? That mean? And then I, I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh no, of course. Is that, uh, you know, when, when our family or our friends or loved ones, all these people, if they can't be here, that's okay. But that's what our memories are for. And that's how life is the best. Life can be the best is when you remember, when you remember all of those times. When I remember my mom pouring her Christmas glass of wine and she used to pour the biggest pour. I mean, I put a picture up, I think today of, it was like, there's just barely an inch. It's like holding on for dear life. And that's, that was her heavy wine pour. And I just thought, I missed that. I miss her putting out the deviled eggs on Christmas Eve. But at the same time, I have those memories, right? It's not, it's not everything, but it's, it's something, it's something great. And that's what life's all about is to have all of those memories throughout your entire life and to be able to sit there and go, oh my God, I forgot about that. We've, we've had so many moments. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Oh my God. What about this time? What about that time? What about, you know? And I said also to my dad today, I said, you know what? We all miss her so much, but I, I have to say it was uh, really refreshing to not have a Christmas morning of sitting around the tree and my mom opening each gift that my dad got her and going, this isn't me at all. I don't want this. What, what were you? I don't want this. No, no. I'm, we're going to have to take this back. Guys, I lived in fear of that moment every day. <laughs> my, I was talking to my sister because she has her own family, so she didn't have to deal with that the last 15, 20 years or however long it's been. But every Christmas, it was just that of my dad would, my dad would run out like usually the week before, go to a bunch of like, you know, Macy's, Ross, TJ Maxx, and just go willy nilly. It was like, I saw it on a mannequin. I thought it looked good. And my mom would be like, well, it doesn't. Not, not for me. Thank you. But thanks. And it was the worst. But also now the, the, I kind of look back at it as like wistfully like, oh, what a, what a funny memory. What a good, good memory. And that's it. That's kind of what I'm going to go with is life works best when you remember. And I hope you guys will hold on to that a little bit. And if you're sad about something or someone, just think at least I have that memory and it could be good. It can be bad. It can be something you learned from. It could be something that made you laugh hard, but at least we have that. And that's a celebration. And this is a celebration, mainly a celebration of these reality shows and pop culture that we remember and hold so dear that help us get through our day-to-day -day existences, the mundane existences, the period of time between the 26th and the 31st. Memory can help us get through those times, these times. And uh, that's what I'm banking on. And uh, I hope you'll bank on that with me. And uh, as always, this this goes out to Becky Bailey. This is the uh, first Christmas, and we're figuring it out. We did the uh, the Mexican night dinner. We went to Mikayo's for our, our Christmas Eve dinner. Did something completely new. My stomach is very pain in pain still. A lot of bathroom stuff, and that's not what this is about, folks. I don't need to tell you my bathroom stuff. I've told you enough about it, but uh, th that was pretty intense, uh, like I thought it would be. And that's another thing too. This is the first Christmas Eve. I had maybe a half a drink. And Christmas Eve was always drinking wine with mom. It is the first Christmas Eve, Christmas morning that I woke up completely not hungover at all. Huge, huge, 
Um, so that is uh, something I wanted to share with you uh, about everything. And uh, I'm sure I'll have more memories to share with you as they come up in regards to the show and all of this stuff. So, but I would much rather be hearing about what you're doing. I've seen so many of your pictures on Instagram with your families and your pets and all of that. I mean, just always amazing. I've, I've laughed and smiled at a lot of them and I hope everybody really truly had a great one. Now, moving on to somebody that made me not have a great holiday at all. I think you guys all know what I'm about to say. Yeah. Uh huh. This Alexis Bellino and uh, John Jansen. I'm John Jansen. I'm John Jansen. John motherfucking Jansen, you guys. What a fugly slut. I I am so livid at John Jansen. And so John Jansen, if you don't know, and I think everybody here does know, John Jansen was Shannon Bedore from Real Housewives of Orange County. Her boyfriend for many years now, and they had their ups and downs, but it was like, we're talking about marriage down the line, the kids, this, this. And then we found out this season on Orange County is that this guy loves the limelight. This guy kind of gets a kick out of being on the show, even though he said, I have a job like Shannon be like, he's a professional man. We can't talk about him. It turns out he likes to be talked about. So Shannon was with John uh, Jansen the night that she had her, uh, the night that that house hit her car. Um, uh, she was coming from his place and now this has nothing to do. I mean, Shannon fully in the wrong for everything that she's done. It's not about that. Obviously Shannon we've seen over many seasons has had many troubles. Now I'm more empathetic toward Shannon. There are just certain people that you're drawn to on reality television shows that you root for. I've talked about this many times. It might not make sense to some, but that's, you know, like I'm not super into sports, but what I do gather from sports is you guys have your favorite players and you have the players you hate, no matter if they're good or bad. Like I've heard so many people through the years talk about Tom Brady. Like he's either a literal God or he is the fucking devil. Like, I mean, there's never any in between. It's always like, the fucking man is the most amazing, like just like just godly like figure, or he is literally the biggest piece of shit and I root against him. And it's just wild to hear that. But we're like that the same with our reality television stars. We're the same thing with our pop culture figures is that we either love them, love them, love them. We stand them so hard. I mean, too hard if we're going to be honest, or we hate them, hate them, hate them. And, um, Shannon was always one of those people that I'm like, okay, I can't argue. I see a lot of the issues. And I would say a little bit about this with Sutton as well. Like I see the issues. I'm not ignorant. I see the issues, but I really, really, really like so much about her. Um, and her horse Santos. Oh my God. Did you guys see my horse Santos? I'll say, I'll say, I, I went over to his apartment or what they're calling stable, but I call it apartment. And I brought my daughter and we took Christmas holiday photos with me and Santos and his big horse. eyes. I say, I say, I love Santos. You didn't, she, she, she did actually post photos with Santos. Sutton did. And I was just that. That put me in the holiday spirit. Definitely. Just huge. I always wonder what Sutton's daughter thinks going on her mom's adventures, you know? And I was like, I bet for richer people, that's like when my mom would like drag me out to Ross, dress for less, you know, or take me shopping at Old Navy. Like it was like, whoa, this is crazy. Look at this wild. Mom just spent a hundred bucks. I wonder if that for her daughter is like, oh, mom took me to hang out with Santos. Um, But anyways... Elevating my style used to mean breaking the bank, but with Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at prices I can actually afford. 
Now I can upgrade my style by snagging killer luxury essentials that sync with my vibe and my wallet. You guys know I've got a blue linen blazer. Now I have a black leather jacket and I have my eye on this Italian suede trucker jacket. I think that's going to be my next purchase. So Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You're going to have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the must-haves, like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, iconic 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow-knit activewear. With all Quince items, everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. How do you not love that? So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping and 365-day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. If you're a wine lover like me, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, I get to discover new wines I'm guaranteed to enjoy. That's because First Leaf gets to know your unique preferences. To start, all you have to do is answer a few quick questions on their website about what flavors that I like, how often I drink wine, and if I prefer red, white, or rosé, or a combination. Now, based on my answers, First Leaf curated an amazing selection of wines just for me. And when I rate those wines, my wine selection gets even more tailored. You guys, I have to tell you, I got a free shipment with them, but I kept my membership going because I liked it so much. I swear to God, I got this great Sangiovese. I got a Malbec. Uh, I did get a Rosé as well because I have a combination and I am loving it. Best of all, I get to choose when I want my box delivered and how often I get new assortments of wine. Being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has its perks. As a member, I get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. Plus, I get member-exclusive pricing on every order, so you can continue to order the ones that you love. So, join the club today with me and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash so good to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash so good. Tryfirstleaf.com slash so good. So, uh, so, so we have this uh, John Jansen. They split up. A lot of people were, I think, encouraging Shannon to not see John again. It was bad news. And by the way, if you check this stupid meme account I make, So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, you'll see like three years ago, I did this meme that I think is very prescient and, and timeless, evergreen, if you will, that I put a p- photo of John Jansen and Shannon Bedore, and I just, the meme was professional drinkers, professional drinkers. Because that was the vibe I got, and that was the vibe I always said is, you know, those couples or those people that you know, that they're like, it's five o'clock somewhere, and you're like, actually, it's 10.59 a.m. It just seemed like they got together, and they would be like, hey, you want a little vodka? Sure, let's sit up and watch the water. And that would just start probably earlier and earlier. And it wasn't talked about, but it was just that kind of thing that they did. We saw it at Bronwyn Wyndham Burke's <laughs> Valrable ceremony with her with her dude, uh, who she's no longer with. But remember that episode when John and Shannon and they were with their kids, they would keep going back into the hotel room, into the bathroom to fill up their their drink cup and then go back to the the festivities. And I was like, that's dark. That is dark. That feels very college. Like that is very a college experience, but they're like grown adults. 
And I just thought, well, that doesn't seem great. You know, that's the other thing too, is that we also see a lot of things in life where you're like, oh, that's potentially a red flag. And I will not look at that because I don't, I choose not to. And then something bad happens and everybody's like, oh my God, you go back and look and you piece it together like the Da Vinci Code. You did this with Scandaval, you do it with everything, right? So uh, John and Shannon aren't seeing each other anymore. And then all of a sudden we start, I think it was Bravo and Cocktails or maybe Real Moms of Bravo, one of the Instagram accounts. Uh, I don't know if it was like a DM or a picture and it was like, John Jansen and Alexis Bellino, who we used to uh, fondly call Jesus Jugs, remember? Uh, Tamara called her Jesus Jugs on Real House Orange County, and she's no longer on the show. And I like Alexis. She's been on the show, but they popped up in a picture, and I was like, oh, there's no way. And also, this is just one of those funny pictures that you're like, they wound up in the same place, and they're like, wouldn't it be funny if we take a picture? The internet will be a buzz. And also, I think. Alexis also does want to be back on the show. We talk about that idea all the time of these ladies get off the show and it turns out a steady paycheck is amazing because life is hard and you need, say it with me, hugs. No, you need money. You need money and you want the money that these reality shows can pay you, even if you are, you know, the reality reckoning, I need more. Like, But you know what I'm saying? They always want to get back. They always want to get back to the show. So I thought, oh, this is a little bit of that just to stoke that fire. And there have been rumors about Alexis coming back for the last two seasons. But then the pictures keep popping up. And then it's like official all of a sudden. People Magazine reports on it. People Magazine. They put out a press release of some sort or a People exclusive to say this. Now, Alexis Bellino, I was like, she's definitely coming back to the show. And I think she will come back to the show. But... I found out last week that she has not been offered a contract yet. I did find that out for sure. I cannot tell you how I found that out, but I did find that out. But I do think it's like fait accompli. I think it's happening any day now. But regardless, they're all together. Now, initially, I was enraged. I'm still enraged about it because I thought, John, dude, like even if you see this person and it is like, holy shit, I, I just saw this person and I've never been in love like this in my life. You do take into account that, oh, Shannon Bedore, like, and I don't want to hear like how small Orange County is. I get it. I get it. I do. Orange County's small. Get over it. It's still a kind of shitty thing to do to this person that is going through one of the hardest times of their life. You know, legal matters, personal matters, being on a show where you're torn apart or tear somebody apart season after season. That's a rough life. And John seems like he's running 90 miles an hour to smack dab right back into it again with Alexis. And I just thought it was like kind of gross because John is a handsome dude, right? I don't think he's going to have problems getting a woman, but Alexis Bellino of all people, it just seemed so weird. And then today we woke, I, I woke up to, I awakened, you know, I'm trying to think of that Christmas poem to a clatter. Anyways, Alexis Bellino does this Instagram post and it's her with a ring and a really interesting manicure job. And it looks like it's like, she's like putting her hands in some kind of Christmas bush. And it says, words cannot actions do. I will no longer feel guilty. I will not apologize. Love will create its own story. I love you, Johnny J. And then the emoji is a Christmas tree and a heart. Hashtag love wins. Hashtag not engaged. Hashtag 
promised. Hashtag Merry Christmas at Van Cleef Arpels, which is, um, you know, a jewelry company. Now, the most offensive thing about this entire thing, and there's a lot to be offended by, is uh, the Johnny J. I love you, Johnny J. No, his name's John John Jansen. Not Johnny J. What are we in a Bruce Springsteen song? <laughs> I've been hanging with Johnny J down by the bar. The dog, he smells like fish, but we just want to rock. I'm down at Johnny J's. Johnny J. My God, that made me that made me livid, and also it just made me lose uh, my Christmas breakfast because I was like Johnny J, like oh Johnny J, because it is it's such a coupley name, like oh my jo- oh my Johnny J, Johnny J, come give me a come give me a big old Johnny J bear hug, oh wrap your arms around me Johnny J, or oh take me Johnny J, <laughs> Johnny J, his name's John Jansen, Johnny J, oh. So this is not an engagement ring, but she says hashtag promised. So this is a promise ring. So this is, this, I see this done in 90 Day Fiance a lot. It's none of these dorks have money. So there was like, who's a promise ring? Or you see it on Love After Lockup a lot. It's like a Cracker Jacks ring. And they're like, this is your promise ring. I'm going to get you a, a real one when I can afford it. But this is what I have right now. Um, <laughs> this has been what a month and a half and i you know listen i'm obviously crazy a lot of issues but uh do you think this is potentially too fast <laughs> do you think it's wait when you know you know i bet you we hear in the next month alexis or john going when you know you know that's the other hey when you know you know and i just <laughs> i just think it's so funny and listen i think it's horrible that they'll potentially be on orange county together do I want to see it? Yeah, of course. I, you know, I slow down for car accidents. Like everybody, you want to, you do want to see the, this is, this is why reality show is so amazing sometimes for the viewers, but so horrible in the reality of that reality, because you're like, oh, Shannon can't handle this. Shannon cannot handle this at all. Like I'm sitting here worried about Shannon Bedore and how much she can handle in 2024. You guys already saw this, but I just wanted to talk about this at the top of the show because I just thought it was ridiculous, redonkulous. And I'm just, and I, Alexis, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And now I'm like, is Alexis like a drinker? Does she like to, to drink with Johnny J on the dock and just watch the boats pass by? I have so many questions and I think we'll get a lot of those answered. And I think at this point with this, like this is now their full court press to get back on the show. Like this is like throw this is Hail Mary pass. We're throwing it all against the wall and see what sticks. And I'm so curious if this sticks. So uh Johnny J and Alexis Bellino, congratulations on turning a lot of our stomachs this this Christmas uh day, this beautiful Christmas day. And uh, let's uh, we're gonna start the show. Now. We'll start. Let's start. That's a good start to the show, right? Uh, also, today we're gonna be doing a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City recap from last week's episode. Now, this is late, of course, because thankfully, thank you, Bravo TV. We do not have a new episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City tonight. Now, I talked about this last week. I thought it was a mistake in the sense of you're letting the air out so close to the end because we come back next Tuesday with the season finale. And it is really leading up. There's a big mystery. Supposedly, also, when Danny Pellegrino was on Watch What Happens Live, he talked to Andy and Danny was like, are we ever going to find out what happened with Heather's black eye? And Andy said, oh, we do. We do find out. So we have to 
We're going to find that out unless they cut that scene. And also Monica Garcia and Heather Gay, whatever the F is going on there that is intense enough where Heather Gay and Monica are the two seats next to Andy at the reunion. Because up to this point, I thought Lisa and Monica, maybe, or Lisa and Meredith, maybe like there were so many options to go, but Heather was kind of under my, you know, it was like, I didn't really think she was deserving of that first chair. So something must happen in this last episode, the, the finale, but having a week off, I'm thankful of it because it's the holidays, but I just thought, don't let that air out of this amazing season. Now it's not really going to make a hill, big hill of beans difference, but that was just my initial thought, but it, it, we're leading up to something crazy. So today is going to be a full recap of that show and we'll go through it. I still love that Mary Cosby, for all intents and purposes, is now gone. We did find out from Mary Cosby at uh, Kathy Hilton's Xmas party or her holiday party, the direct TV one, that uh, she just wasn't straight. She straight up wasn't invited. She was like, they didn't tell me about it. <laughs> Can you imagine the producers? Like, who's the one that has to tell Mary she's not invited? Or they're just like hoping they're like, I don't know. Hopefully she won't like read anything or watch the show. And hopefully she'll never even know we went to Bermuda. And there's a good chance with Mary that that was possible. But somebody must have told Mary that they went to Bermuda and she wasn't invited. But I also don't think that we will see Mary Cosby on next season of Salt Lake City. Like, because they used her so sparingly, which I thought was so smart, but then they plastered her image and all the cast photos and all that stuff. So it's a little different than your normal friend of, if you notice, like the friend of kind of slot in Housewives because they used her image. And I thought that was kind of an insurance on not having Jen Shaw there and not knowing how the season was going to go. The season turned out to be fabulous. So they didn't need Mary Cosby to begin with, but I thought it was like hedging their bets of like, this is our insurance policy. Once again, throwing things at the wall, seeing what sticks. And I don't necessarily know if we need Mary Cosby back. I don't know. It feels like it's going to slow down the overall storyline unless Mary Cosby actually wants to share what is really going on in her life. And we've seen that that's caused a lot of trouble for her. There are still questions about her business. There are still questions about her relationship. And unfortunately, and I'm not going to get into it, but if you look into articles, I think her son is going through an intensely difficult time right now a very, very difficult time that is very serious. And uh, unless they're really willing to look at that in a very realistic lens, I don't know how this would be healthy for anyone. And especially when it comes to kids, like I feel like if they're on the show, we can talk about it, but there are certain issues with kids and certain like addictions and things like that, that I don't know if it really helps for us to pick it apart and find out what, you know, like it's just like, oh, I don't know. Mary Cosby, huge question mark to me, but really we've got to say one of the best seasons ever because it came out of nowhere. We started the season off not expecting much and it just is killing it. This episode was so weirdly good. Um, in like just so many different ways, how I described it at the beginning of the season holds true. This is the David Lynch version of housewives. It is so weird. It's a fever dream. It, uh, a lot of the times, You'll be like, wait, what is going on? Wait, what are they doing? What are they wearing? Why are they in a bonnet? Why are they shaking? 
uh, a jars turning butter? Why did Whitney buy her 13 year old daughter a uh, like a Mercedes Benz golf cart that she could crash through walls hopped up on caffeine with? Like there are so many little moments. Lisa Barlow doing her full Barlow. Meredith Marks, you can leave. You want to talk about? I mean, just classic performances that we will be using in memes. We will be laughing about for years and seasons to come. But then on top of that, we now have one of the biggest whodunits in Housewives history is who did the Greek mafia DMs? Who came for Angie Katsanavis? And by the way, this holiday, I've been kind of trying to focus on some work and try to do some research. And I was deep into research on Salt Lake City. And I found this, like I did some digging and it, it took, but like Angie Katsanavis it turns, she's Greek. She's Greek. Yeah. She's like, that's, she's Greek. And I don't think they really even talk about that on the show, but she is Greek. She's like in her family, there's really, really intense Greek roots. And I think, uh, wow, I, I hope she has the bravery to, to call that out and be proud of where she comes from. Um, and I would like to hear more about her being Greek. I think that's it. I think I'm like, Angie, why, why do you never tell us about that? <laughs> The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS weird Lord of the Flies style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Okay, folks, let's uh, get started here. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Uh, Now, I did the earlier part uh, that you just heard earlier today. And then went back over to my sister's, had a lovely uh, Christmas dinner. Oh, I am still so stuffed. I am that kind of stuff. I'm so, oh, just, oh, just stuffed. Just stuffed. Oh, it's so gross. By the way, this is, this is, this is good podcasting. I'm stuffed. Oh, did you guys get as stuffed as I am? I got stuffed. Oh. God, uh, I will say this though. We got the first one out of the way. We got the first Christmas out of the way without mom. And I think in that sense, no matter anything else that happened, it was a, it was a success. It was a success. We did it. We did it. My sister did so good, man. My mom would be so proud. And there are so many other things that I would love to 
talk with you about about it, but let's get into this because I got to get some sleep at a certain point. I am just, uh, you know, just gross. Also, join us all week. We'll be doing new episodes. I want to talk about the Kardashian Christmas. Got a lot of pop culture stories. We got some interviews. We got some end of the year stuff. We we potentially have uh, um, well you'll you'll hear it or see it when you see it, um, but join us all week. I know this is kind of the dead of the year where not a lot of people are listening to podcasts, but if you are, thanks for being here. I hope you get a laugh out of it. Um, this is going to be what we call a sloppy a sloppy retelling of Real Housewives of Salt Lake. I'm doing this loose, baby. I am going to be doing this loose. So hopefully we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I'm not going to get your hopes up. This this could be just potentially awful. I am okay. Anyways, this is called Swimming with the Fishes, season four, episode fifteen. Now, Swimming with the Fishes, uh, obviously, that is a reference to the mafia because at this point, the biggest accusation getting thrown out there is that Angie Katsanavis is, of course, part of the Greek mafia, and that is why she runs the streets of Salt Lake with an iron mafia fist. After all this, it would be great if next season it comes out that Angie is like the head Don of the Greek Mafia, and then the Greek Mafia is solely based out of Salt Lake City. <laughs> the Greek Mafia has rich ties to the Sundance Film Festival. <laughs> Just, but I got to tell you, this is what I was talking about earlier. This is why it is like a fever dream, because never in a million years, first off, Never in a million years did I think there would be a character that said they were Greek all the time. First, like I, I have grown to love that aspect of it. But then, you know, nobody would have predicted that the Greek mafia would get get brought heavily into it in the latter half of the season. Like I just didn't. Everything that's happened, I didn't see. I didn't foresee happening. And the other thing that we see with the Salt Lake ladies, we see this with a lot of the housewives iterations, but especially with the Salt Lake ladies, is that we throw these ladies throw around deep accusations with each other. And then they just go about dinner like nothing's happened or like the next day, everything's good again. And I don't for the I can't for the life of me understand that kind of behavior. If you look like if you give me a mean look, I probably will stay away from you for a good year. So the fact I mean, that's the funny thing that do you guys ever think about that? The funny thing that they have to continually show up to film this show and make the best of it when they've all said horrible things <laughs> like it was thrown around last season that Lisa Barlow gave blowjobs to get really prime NBA seats like we, we still haven't then Lisa did a whole monologue to Meredith Marks about every horrible thing that you could say about a person on a hot mic in the bathroom. Yet we are still here filming each, each of these ladies having to do scenes with each other. And in this one, it's even bizarre because Monica points out how bizarre it is that Lisa and Meredith, after slinging accusations back and forth, still find the time to giggle on a, a sprint in a sprinter van trip. I mean, it is completely weird, and I will keep saying this until I'm blue in the face. Monica, just a great addition. Now, when I say a great addition, it doesn't mean I think she is innocent. It doesn't mean I think she is the moral high ground of any of this. She is not the reliable narrator. What's good about Monica is the question marks, are the question marks. And like I said, it's it's not a mini Jen Shaw because Jen Shaw was so wild and unruly that it wasn't fun to watch. 
Monica, you get the sense of somebody who is at war with themselves at all times, that she is definitely not happy and potentially ashamed in certain aspects of how her life turned out. Yet, even if she turns out to be the one behind these DMs, the thing is you can almost see within a context of a certain situation, like why, how this could have led her to behave this way of wanting something bigger than herself. Now, Jen Shaw just wanted the fame, wanted the money. But I think this is almost like a Hail Mary pass in some ways for Monica of really wanting to leave a mark. And she might be going about it in a completely wrong way, which we'll talk about later in terms of this re this this Instagram uh, and, and Twitter account that she allegedly is behind, uh, which, by the way, is great for a lot of us memers and creators uh, that we could possibly be this, you know, if you create a really horrible Instagram and Twitter account, you could potentially be a housewife. And also, I, I feel like we've got to stop throwing around the word creators all the time. Like it's a lofty word for people. I mean, this this is a lot of silliness. Like there's some really great stuff in here, but creators, well, like everybody is calling themselves a creators these days. And I'm like, I'm making memes about fart jokes. I do not consider myself a creator. I consider myself a podcaster and a deeply troubled person. Are you kidding me? A creator? It's not Van Gogh. My God, I can teach anybody how to make a meme like that. All you have to have is a point of view and an opinion, and all of you guys have that. Um, I mean, talk to most quote unquote creators and see how their life is going. Like <laughs> that would be actually be the bigger conversation and probably would be a great reality television show. So this is called swimming with the fishes. And this is the peacock description that is given on their website. It says Meredith, tr Meredith tries to clear her name, but finds herself in an uphill battle. I'm finding myself in an uphill battle set. I'm trying to clear my name. I like that. It's like the crucible. It's my name. Whitney calls Heather out. That's it's a two line description. Like, my God, did you guys give up near the holidays? This should be a paragraph. And also at this point, now we have storylines leading up to this storyline that's lasted all season. So there's so much that we need to know that's gotten us to this point. And I, it's two sentences isn't cutting it for me. Now, Meredith is so interesting. And if, and if, if uh, I'm sorry, if Monica turns out really to be the person behind these DMs accusing Angie of being in the Greek mafia and making people aware of a certain tax situation, and she was able to almost successfully pin that on Meredith, I mean, that's dark stuff, right? That is dark stuff. I really don't know which way to believe. If you listen to this show, I said a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, I think Meredith did do it because there was a pattern of behavior with the Lisa Barlow stuff that I don't think we can argue. Like there is patterns of behavior with Meredith Marks that would lead you to believe this. But if it turns out to be Monica, Monica really is a hustler because she noticed that pattern of behavior and was able to almost successfully use that against Meredith and make everybody suspicious because you saw Lisa Barlow literally was like, stop it. Are you kidding me? Stop it, Meredith. You're full of shit. Ten roof rusted, please. Oh, also, I wanted to play you guys this. This, I mean, it's it's still Christmas while I'm talking to you guys. It won't be when you listen tomorrow, but it, it is. And this is a special Christmas message. Uh, Vulture, who, Vulture, if you don't follow them online, great recaps of things, just articles, entertainment. I love Vulture. 
but they uh, have a special Christmas message from one Lisa Barlow. So listen to this, folks. This is magical. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your, your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by your choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. Okay, so that was Lisa Barlow. Lisa Barlow killed that. I know we've made fun of her singing uh, before. But my God, I thought that was pretty good. That was like getting through to like maybe like the second or third round of American Idol. I mean, which, by the way, now that I'm thinking about Lisa Barlow, could you imagine her popping up on like an American Idol of like, I'm Lisa Barlow. I'm here to sing for you all. Hello, Ryan Seacrest. Um, So that was a little holiday thing before we get into this. I wanted to play for you. And that goes. That's not just a special message from Lisa. Consider that a special message from me. (laughs) Me as well. Um, okay. So we start this episode and remember where we left off last week, we left off with, uh, a pirate dinner for Monica's birthday, where we got into a couple tips, one being that, uh, Heather gay and Monica got into it because Heather all of a sudden has started to become prudish in certain ways and does not want to talk about certain sexy situations. She is just not having it. And I think that is an interesting rebrand that I did not foresee coming with Heather Gay in particular because, and I feel like I'm being gaslit in certain ways or the audience is because am I losing my fucking mind? I am, but like, am I losing it even more that wasn't the first, didn't Heather Gay have the most sex jokes of any of these characters? I seem to remember scenes in dialogue where she threw it out there and it wasn't like weird. I thought it was funny as hell, but now all of a sudden, once she has a book called bad Mormon, she's like a pious adult. I don't, I don't necessarily understand this. And it's one of those things where I'm like, is this real? Or are you just, or are you just waking up to the fact that you want to be kind of different in how you handle yourself? Because your book is on the New York times bestseller list, which they throw the New York times bestseller list at a a couple of times in this episode. And I do the New York times bestseller list. Like I start to starting to think that it really doesn't mean that much anymore, not because of Heather, but it is just so interesting how everybody is part of the New York times bestseller list. The only, the only example that I can give you of somebody that didn't make the New York times bestseller list that wanted to was Lala Kent. Lala Kent. Remember when she released her book, uh, was that give them Lala a couple of years ago, it did not make it. And that was an episode because Randall, I think, bought a sheet cake and was planning some kind of party. And then it didn't make the New York Times bestseller list. Now, I said at the time, like if Lala released that book this year, it would definitely hit the New York Times bestseller list. But I think it's when you release. And even then I was like, I don't think we're we're at a point of a Lala book, but I wouldn't have told you we were at the point of a Heather Gay book. The difference with Heather Gay's book, though, was that it had bad Mormon. It was based around a situation uh, of her and uh, her, her, you know, dealings with her religion, her going on her mission and her like kind of steering away from the church. It's not a book about being a housewife. It's I mean, it's a book about being an actual wife and then getting and then having that relationship go south. But there was an actual story. In it. If I were to compare the two and I 
read or listened to both of those books. But I think sometimes you need a little bit more experience and you need it to be literally about something. And even though I have my issues with Heather Gay this season and last season, mainly last season, I will say that book was about something. And sometimes a lot of the Housewives books or Bravo Liberty books, you know, it's good and you like these people, but they don't necessarily have the years and the experience or something specific to really go on about. So you're just kind of like hearing, you're like, okay, and then I went to college and then I wound up on this show and it has been a crazy ride. So I will give Heather that. Um, we start off as we always do with scenes uh, from the previous episode. So we got previously on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And we have Whitney um, holding up the Bad Mormon book, talking to Justin. And it's like, I never thought I would read this book. And Justin's like, oh, wow. Oh, oh wow. Justin's like, I've never seen a book before. What? And he's like, have you started it? And she's like, not yet. I have not started it. Also, we do have this fight about the book because Whitney ha like has read it by the end of this. And I'm I'm one of those people like, did, did, we're only on day three of the Bermuda trip. Did Whitney, did Whitney fucking read this book in like a day and a half or had she already read the book or did she just skip to the part where she was in? Because I was like, good for you. You know, those people that say, that say they don't read a lot and then they, they're like, Oh, I, I knocked this book out in a day. Like that, that kind of like, I was like, what if Whitney's, what if Whitney's like a beautiful mind? What if she's like one of the most, I will say, I think Whitney is smarter than, and I've always said this, Whitney is smarter than anybody else realizes or gives credit for. And she could kick your ass. She's very athletic. The thing that always will have a knock against Whitney is her voice. And I think that is such a shame. I think Whitney is playing at a very interesting level and it's something that people get annoyed with, but I think she is playing at a very interesting level. And I think the show needs her. I think she is still finding her footing in certain ways, but I, I think she's great. Anyways, we then go to Bermuda and Heather's like, Bermuda, baby. Oh my God. And we have a scene of Monica going, hey, listen, this is insane. I, I really have never had a birthday like this in my life, you guys, because she's like queen for the day. And everybody's like, oh my God. And Mary's like, oh, she's very emotional hearing you say that. And then we cut to that scene in the Sprinter van where Monica's sobbing. Because remember, her allegedly, her mom potentially told her relatives in Bermuda to not meet with her on her birthday. So she was sobbing. Remember Lisa Barlow in the bathroom with the cameraman, with the camera on the ground, just getting a shot of their sandals, their old flippy flops, you know, which hats off to that cameraman. That, that deserves a holiday bonus because this guy or girl got on his knees and just got shots of the flip. I love when you hear a voice and it's just a shot of like a stagnant piece of clothing. I think that's a very powerful image. In fact, I just watched um, uh, Bradley Cooper's Maestro, which hit Netflix this week. And I think it is a stunning. I have a lot to say about Maestro. Uh, it's probably I'm not going to say it right now, but I do want to talk about that movie. And I want to talk about people's reception of that movie. But I do think I've said this before. Bradley Cooper did some of the most amazing beard work I've ever seen in the first film he directed. A Star is Born. His beard, just amazing. But Bradley Cooper, the main thing about Maestro, Bradley Cooper's cigarette work, <laughs> Leonard Bernstein smoking a cigarette. He smokes a cigarette the entirety of a movie. It's not the same cigarette. He constantly is using new ones, obviously. But it is, it, 
It is a lot of smoking, and I am fixated on Bradley Cooper with a cigarette now. This guy loves a prop, whether it's a beard or a cigarette. He knocks it out of the park. So when I see just shots of a like a flip-flop and I hear sound, I'm like, oh, this is art. What I'm watching right now is complete art. So anyways... Monica is in the uh, Sprinter van and Lisa's like, we think her mom called her family and said, don't meet with Monica. So they canceled on her and everybody's like, oh my God, oh my God. Remember Heather Gay is in the big Spider-Man villain glasses of like, I'll get you Spider-Man. I'm the green goblin of Heather Gay. Now, Heather Gay, we always talk about Angie Katzenavis, uh, her sunglass usage, which is insane, but I'm used to it. Heather Gay on this Bermuda trip must have been like, she pulled up to a sunglass hut and was like, hey, make me look like a freak. I really, I want any any sunglass that you think uh, Carrot Top might wear, any, like, just throw them my way. I think I would be really, those, please, just, I'll wear anything. <laughs> the bigger and weirder, the better. I need to pop in these scenes. That's what it is. And I also feel like there's like a one-upsmanship in the Salt Lake City cast in particular. Like Dorit used to do this in Beverly Hills and she's not really doing it. That She's being more demure. I don't even know if that's the right word. She's being more subtle in her styling choices. And a lot of people are making mean jokes of that means she's out of money. And I don't think it's that. I think she's just had a lot of bad incidents in the last couple of years. And so she's just reining it in, but not Heather Gay, man. Heather Gay, it is her New York Times bestseller list is written all over her face. And by that, I mean just in her sunglass choice. But I feel like they saw Angie show up with these windshield wiper sunglasses and they're all like, oh my God, are we just, what are we doing? Should I just wrap tinfoil around my face? So you see Heather Gay's reaction to this. She's like, oh my God. Uh, but more than that, I'm just paying attention to how big these sunglasses are. Truly amazing sunglass work. Uh, so they're all comforter in the scene. Then we do a scene where um, Angie and Lisa are walking on the beautiful Bermudian beach. And Lisa's like, Meredith said to Monica, you're in the Greek mafia. And, you know, Angie's wearing those huge Gucci big sunglasses. And she's like, what? And I will tell you, like, Angie is almost like, we've all gotten used to Angie, right? Like, I don't think she is God's gift to housewives, but she's she's hung in there. She's weathered the storm. And she really is coming out on the other side of this. It's just interesting because she's almost lucked out in certain ways that she is the one these DMs are being sent about. You know, she's almost lucked out because her storylines was the relationship with Sean. Remember that Sean was like going around the mean streets of Salt Lake doing God knows what with God knows who. Um, and that storyline keeps like kind of dissipated. She had the storyline with her dad, which kind of, you know, not that it didn't go anywhere, but it was nice. And then, of course, she had Greek Easter, a lot of Greek stuff. But this stuff, she's benefiting, benefiting from it. But where. Angie still is lacking, and it'll be interesting to see in seasons to come because I know she'll be back, is. How does she take this and become a power player in terms of conversation, in terms of bringing the argument? Like Meredith and Lisa really hold their own. Now, if we're going to say somebody's a reliable narrator on this, I guess you would need to potentially send it to Heather because Heather is, I hate to say that, like Heather is 
sort of sane, but at the same time, she's still making bizarre choices. And at the end of this, she kind of loses it. And, you know, you see that she's definitely fallible. And of course, the relationship with Jen Shaw, all of that stuff you can throw, but I'm trying to find one reliable narrator. And maybe Heather, I mean, there's elements of Whitney being that, but I think, like I said, with the voice sometimes, I don't know, it's a weird game, but I want Angie to step up in terms of verbal sparring. And I don't mean yelling, I don't mean any of that, but going like, yo, I deserve to be here. I've proven, like, I've, you know, like I've put in the time now. I've proven myself. And now I'm going to, like, unleash holy hell. Tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. Because this is bullshit what you're doing. And we're not probably going to see it fully this season. We don't even see it in this episode, and they're all talking about her. Like, she's not taking the ball, but I think she has it in her. Do you guys feel that way? I, 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 I do. And then we have the scene where they're at this party. They're all dressed up like pirates and meredith has that kind of like floral bandana like a you know a fruity brett michaels on her head and uh <laughs> you know <laughs> angie's like meredith you're accusing me of doing fraudulent things and meredith is just smiling with this red lipstick of like yeah, okay angie okay yeah take bring yeah bring it to me and Meredith's just shaking her head she's like and Angie's like i am that i'm in the great greek mafia and she's like i have not and monica pipes up and you know she has the little johnny depp mustachio and monica's like yo you called you know come on that's not true we did talk about this and mary's like i did not say that i did not say that at all and angie's like you called her you called monica and told her to look at the dms and then suddenly after your conversation documents appeared on the fake account on a fake account and mary's like i have not done that i have not done that at all that's crazy and lisa's like meredith it's done you're done we're sick of this i'm so done with you doing the mean shit to all of us and it's just a tight shot on meredith mark's face she's like an old-time movie star and she's just like I'm so tired. And the thing is with Meredith, if you kind of believe it, you could read into that look of like, oh, she's been caught. But then I tend to think that this is just Meredith. You know, we're going on day two, day three of not having a bathtub. She's just, we saw her. She was a wreck the first day. She had to be visited by a doctor. I mean, Meredith could just be at an all time low in terms of physical strength. Who knows? But that's where we pick up on this episode. So we start like, ha, 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 in the synth with the choir. Ha, ha. We see the beautiful Bermudian town, just shots of the water, the flag. And it is day three, it tells us. We see the mansion. Everybody's waking up. And uh, this gentleman is uh, in Lisa Barlow's area and uh, providing coffee for her. And we see she's having a little like pineapple slices. And then Angie Katsanavis opens her, you know, beautiful window. And then Monica's opening cards from her kids. Her kids must have sent birthday cards with her. And one says, dear mom, I love you so much. I'm going to miss you so much. And I hope you have a great time. And then at the very end, it says, P.S. Please do not get arrested. 
and uh, she laughs. She laughs <laughs> like, oh my goodness. But we do know that Monica has been arrested before. So who knows? This could just be a helpful hint from the kids. Uh, I never, I don't think, wrote that on one of my parents' cards. But listen, to each their own. It's 2023. And then we go over to Heather Gay's balcony. And she's there with her big AirPod Max headphones. And they're like the pink kind. And she's just looking out the, the water thinking, oh my God, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote a book called Bad Mormon. And then we go over to Meredith. And Meredith kind of, she's texting somebody on the phone and she looks potentially near death still. And then we go over to Whitney's. Whitney is just staring off into the water. Everybody's staring into the water in their own rooms. And then Lisa texts from her rooms, morning, ladies, I booked a yacht for us today, but we don't leave until 1130. So we have some time to chill. And uh, she's very happy with that. We see more shots of the water. And then Heather Gay with her big AirPod Maxes comes into the room texting Monica. And it's like, hey, do you want to go on a walk with me? Which is very nice. And Monica is receiving this text. I feel at this point, the camera people should be like, hey, guys, can we just get you in the same room at a certain point? I, we don't, this texting back and forth. We, we actually have a house with all of you in it. Is this necessary? But Monica's like, um, hey, yeah, that sounds good. I'll come to your room now. Great. So we've set this up. Monica walks into this, walks into this room with Heather. We're both in the same area. Oh, we're in the same house. Who knew? Um, <laughs> so they're just having fun, you guys. So Heather and Monica are now on the beach. And, and I will say, uh, Heather has these pink sunglasses and now she is wearing a green bucket hat. When a bucket hat appears in a Housewives episode, an angel gets their wings. I haven't seen this strong of bucket hat work since Lisa Rinna last season, or maybe Leah McSweeney, her first season. Really strong. But Heather takes it a step further with a bright green color. So they're walking on the beach, and Heather starts and goes, Hey, you know, I was really looking forward to this trip and I am sorry I lost my temper last night. And we flash back to that scene where Heather's like, oh, you're married. You think you're as single as me? And Monica's like, you can sit here and judge my relationship all you want. And she's like, and Heather's like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that you're still married. I'm not. And Monica's like, the fact that you don't want to play that game. And then Heather just enraged is shut the fuck up. Like Whitney said to me last night, because Whitney, remember she was like, shut the fuck up, Heather, which I thought was really iconic. Very calm. Shut the fuck up, Heather. What did you tell me? I told you to shut the fuck up. So Heather now has that in her head, the dirty, you know, the dirty language that Whitney used. And she throws it at Monica at the pirate dinner. Shut the fuck up. Like Whitney said to me last night, fully loses her temper. And Monica's like, wow. So we're back on the beach. And she's like, I think I was just tired and mad. And I really, I apologize. And I didn't want to ruin your birthday. And I hope I didn't. And Monica's like, yeah, it was a lot last night. And I'm sorry that, you know, I contributed to it. And she's like, honestly, Heather, I was just, I was so thrown. Um, and Heather's like, but I feel like it started on the bus when you were questioning, you know, talking to me about my daughter's sex life. And that kind of surprised me too, which we talked about that. Yeah. We shouldn't be talking about any young person's sex life at all. I think we're all in agreement with that, but it wasn't like, 
I feel like Heather could have shut that down really quickly of like, come on, we're not talking about that and made some joke of talk about mine all you want or the lack thereof and just kept it moving. But instead, what happens when you get past the third season is that every conversation, I think some of these ladies are going, oh, is that a storyline? Is that a storyline? Should I mine this? Should I mine this for gold? And I feel like people get offended over things that in normal life, you would just kind of say something and move on. But in Housewives land, it becomes fodder for a potential storyline. And I think sometimes it can get, I saw this on Beverly Hills a lot last season. Lisa Renner would always be that one, always kind of just like trying to mine anything of like, what storyline can I hop into? What's your age, me, Lisa Renner? <laughs> Did everybody have a good Christmas? <laughs> but she would do that a lot. So Heather is doing the big thing, kind of apologizing. She was, it was already brewing and then it just kind of exploded. And, you know, it was a touchy thing for us and you just dove in. And I think that's why I reacted strongly and it had started and you went in for it again. So she's saying Monica is still partly to blame for even bringing up sexy talk at her pirate birthday dinner. And Monica says, okay, look, we're getting to know each other still. Right. Right. And we're learning things about each other literally every single day. And now I know that certain topics are not up for discussion. And I apologize for that. So this is a very grown-up conversation. Uh, she says, I don't want to be freaking be in that place with you, Heather, at all. And Heather's like, okay, well, then let's not. So it's good. Monica knows not to bring up butt stuff around Heather, any kind of sexy talk, which I think is ridiculous because I mark my words. In the fifth season, I'm sure Heather will be talking about sex at some point. I just, I feel like this is just a weird thing. But anyways, she says, you've been incredible. Thank you, Heather. And Heather's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Whatever. It's it's all fine. And I think there was a lot going on yesterday. But let's just put our thing behind and move on and enjoy this trip. And Monica's like, I personally would love that. And then Heather brings up, hey, how are you feeling overall because of the Meredith shit? And Monica's like, well, it's a lot. Like, it was a shock for me last night. And Heather's like, what do you mean? Uh, you know, and Heather's like, is Meredith behind the DMs? I just, I don't understand. Do you think it's her fake account that everyone's accusing her of? And Monica's like, I don't know. I don't think that. And Heather's like, what's your gut say? And Monica's like, I don't think she would ever do that. I really don't. I mean, who would ever do that? Who would fucking do that? And then Monica goes, I would do that shit. Monica says, I would do that shit. And that's a very telling line, potentially. So, so pay attention to that. Bookmark that line. I would do that shit. And Heather's like, oh my God, girl, you would not. What do you mean? Don't say things like that. And it's like, don't say things like that, girl. This this whole little part of the conversation was very interesting to me. And Monica's like, no, I'm just saying that. And then Heather says again, you would do a fake account and and send yourself DMs. And Monica's like, no, no, not myself. No, are you kidding me? I did. And Heather's like, I just don't want to face it. I mean, it's not about Angie being in the Greek mafia. I don't think anyone's believing that. Now, in a talking head, Heather goes, this is about someone creating a fake social media account to spread lies and negative gossip about us. We've all been victims of it, even Meredith. And it's hurtful when a stranger trolls us. But to think that one of our friends would go so low to harm someone in our circle is the ultimate betrayal. Oh, it's devastating when somebody just makes up rumors, starts fake things within a friend group. Anyways, Heather's like, I know we can do it. We got it in us. And let's get ready for the yacht today. Uh, we have a luxury yacht trip, folks. 
And, uh, and then, <laughs> so anyways, that scene is done, but the thing to pay attention to is just that comment about Angie's, uh, sorry, about Monica saying, I would do that. And then Heather calling that out. So keep that in the back of your head for the season finale. Now we go over to the deathly Meredith Marks, barely holding on for dear life in her luxury bed in her, you know, in her bedroom without a bathtub. And uh, she's calling somebody on the phone. She has her Meredith Marks pop socket on the back of her cell phone, but she really, she looks like E.T. at the end of the movie when he's like, Elliot, help me, I'm dying. That's what like Meredith Marks has E.T. dying vibes. Uh, so she's calling somebody, it's ringing, it's on FaceTime, and all of a sudden, Meredith goes, hi, honey, how are you? What's going on? And Seth's like, it's Seth Marks, you guys. Hey, I'm good. How are you? Hey, what's going on here? It's me, Seth. We're talking on FaceTime. Can you believe this technology exists? Is there any way they found a bathtub for you? Also, I want to point out Seth Marks is lightly walking, I think, on a treadmill. I only caught that like on the second frame because he's just moving forward in the shot. And he doesn't look like he's sweating. He looks like keeping it at a very light pace. So I, like, I don't know if he knew he was about to be filmed. And he was like, uh, fuck it. I'm just laying on the couch. Let me uh, let me look like I'm doing something active. I should get on that treadmill. So uh, he's like, good, honey. How are you doing? And she's like, I'm tired. I'm so tired, Seth. Okay, how are you holding up? What's going on? How is Meredith Marks holding up? He's like, I don't know. I'm just, I got to tell you, I'm struggling a little. I just am like Bermuda is beautiful, but it's just not been a really easy time. You know, like literally last night, Seth, everybody came after me and it was insane. Lisa yelled at me like crazy, just crazy. It was very, very nasty. We flash back to that of Lisa Barlow going, you're lying about this. You're sending her fucking DMs about Angie and it's enough. I'm done. I'm Meredith. It's done. He's like, and it's not just Lisa. Like Heather was not supportive. Meredith and Seth's like, uh, Meredith, I would just let this shit go. You know, you're in a beautiful place with questionable behavior. That's what it is. You know, it happens. Just let it go. And she goes, yeah, I hear you. I'm just trying to decipher what's really going on here and who's responsible for what. So now we've got Detective Marks. Dun, 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 Detective Marks. Dun, 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 dun. I need a bath. But Seth's like, hey, listen, you're there with questionable behavior. Put it both. And he's like, he's like, no, I've got to figure this out. So we we really are towards the end of the season. Like I said, it is becoming almost like a murder mystery without a murder. Now, Whitney, uh, we get to a scene with Whitney and Angie. And uh, I guess they were, you know, desperate for something to do. So this is a tennis scene. This is a tennis scene. We see Whitney in this beautiful white tennis outfit. And Whitney lets us know in a talking head. She's like, I grew up playing tennis. I'm no Serena Williams. I don't have a tennis court in my backyard, but I really do occasionally hit some balls around. And playing tennis is great for stress. And this trip has been pretty stressful. Uh, and so she's walking with Angie and she's like, do, do you play tennis, tennis, Angie Katsunavis? And Angie's like, um, I, I play with Sean and Electra once in a while, um, but I'm not good at it. I guess Greeks, you know, tennis probably isn't that thing. So when he's like, we're just going to hit the balls and get out of the uh, aggression. And, you know, tennis players, when they go like this, and I'm telling you, this Whitney hits a ball where it really almost does look like she is potentially Serena Williams. I'm telling you, this Whitney is an athlete. Remember two episodes ago when she was like, I would kill Heather Gay with Taekwondo. 
two hits, me hitting her and her hitting the floor. It would be crazy. I would not start the fight, but I would finish it. I truly believe that to be true. So Whitney's saying, get your aggressions out, Angie. And Angie tries it and just, just tanks it, just tanks it. And then Whitney goes, okay, what if you pretend that this ball is Meredith Marks and you hit it as hard and you could throw it nice and high and you go boom. And so Angie's like, okay, Meredith. And we hear, we we do like a, a little, little fancy cut of Meredith Marks going, you can leave, you can leave. And we see Meredith's face in black and white pop up all over the screen. I'm not making it up. That, that's actually what's happening. And Angie finally hits the ball on the third try. And when he's like, there you go. Yes, yes. And then Angie's like, it took me three times to take that bitch out, but I did it. And I'm like, okay, but you are just literally hitting tennis balls. And then in the talking head, Angie's like, well, hopefully that knocked some sense into her. <laughs> um, sometimes, and this is the other thing, I hate that I'm being so critical about Angie because I do, I am enjoying her a lot. But I think that's the other thing is that, you know, in talking heads, I think these ladies do bring their own, you know, zhuzh to it. But these are not fully written lines, but sometimes I feel like they are fully written. And I feel like it's one of those things, like in a writer's room for a sitcom, uh, you know, a couple of my friends do a lot of writing, you know, for sitcoms and they'll break a story and then they'll do like, they'll like do a list of alts. They like alts, they call it like alt jokes. So you'll have a joke, right? You'll have the, the hard punchline of a joke and they'll be like, give me some alts and you'll do like 10 alts. Like, okay, the punchline could be this or it could be these 10 other things. And I wonder if sometimes in the talking heads, and that's why I would love to talk to more producers from these shows is do they give them a list of alts? Like, do they say, okay, you do one, what you think you should say. And then we're going to give you some ideas and have you say a couple of those and we'll see what wins and what makes the better thing in the edit. Uh, I really do wonder, do you guys wonder how they put those together? That's the stuff that really does fascinate me. The more, like I said, the more I get into this, it, it really, I'm very curious about how they piece these things together. So anyways, this is just Whitney showing off her, you know, out, you know, her athletic prowess and uh, Angie showing us that she does not have athletic prowess. And so uh, they end this uh, tennis after like 30 seconds, they're like, that was a good workout for today. And Angie's like, Whitney, honestly, after last night, I am just blown away that we are yet again addressing Meredith, spreading more rumors about me. And Whitney's like, last night was a next level of crazy to me because she sat there at the dinner table while everyone is coming at her. And she just sits there like, Oh yeah, like she's still happy to be at dinner. And then we get back to the house and she has cake with us like nothing happened. And we flash back to this scene, which we didn't see last week, where they really are putting out a birthday cake for Monica. And they're like, happy birthday, Monica, our dear Monica. And we see all of these ladies like all happy and clapping. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. They, like the intense fights happen and then they go back and just act like nothing's going on. And then everybody the next day says, isn't it weird that we all got along after the fight last night? So when he's like, she really thinks she just can skirt by without owning it. Um, which I'm very proud of Whitney for saying the famous housewives slogan, um, just own it. She is refusing to take any accountability and that it's just going to go away. And Angie's like, well, because she's guilty. 
that's what, Whitney. She's guilty. How long can she keep up that facade, though, before all of us are going to be like, you're not safe. You don't take accountability. You don't take responsibility. We don't want you around. It's a wrap. And Angie's like, it's like crazy, psychotic disassociation. It's unwell behavior. But what about Heather freaking out at Monica? Um, I and Angie's like, I had no idea that was coming last night. Between the two of them, they were getting along great. But you know, every culture and every religion, there's a lot of shame around sex. And now I think this would be a great opportunity for Angie to share what the Greeks feel about sex. You know, like us Greeks, we love it. We love 69ing, we love um donkey punching, we love any kind of weird sex things. The Greeks are very proud of sex. I think this would have been a great opportunity to teach us that, but that's not necessarily where this goes. Um, she's like, if you're not married, if you're not a certain age, right? So I wondered if that was just an uncomfortable topic for Heather because she's not married and she's got a deep program from a lot. Yeah. She wrote this book called bad Mormon. Yeah. She's living a new lifestyle, but if you really look at it, we were shaped into who we are today from our childhood. So that's just still there for her. But like, she doesn't want to talk about her own sex life. But she's okay to talk about everyone else's, which fucking triggers me. And in a talking head, Whitney goes, I just finished reading her book. And we do a flashback of Whitney on the beach reading her book. And all of the stories she could have told about our friendship. She chose to write about when I hired her to shoot my boudoir photo shoot as an anniversary gift for Justin. And we see a shot of that boudoir photography you know, session. It just rubs me the wrong way. And we see another one where her legs are on a bed frame and it's a shot of her head going towards like, you know, the, the boobage and the other, and then with the legs. Anyways, it, I was like, it could, it's kind of blurry, but it's, it's there. It's like, because she gets weird when her sex life is brought up, but like, she'll write about mine. Um, and in this scene, she's like, I have whiplash. And Angie's like, from the tennis? No, from all these relationships, Angie K. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get you. And we end that scene. Um, <laughs> I will say, since I did listen to Bad Mormon, I was surprised about a lot of things in Bad Mormon. And the fact that Heather and Whitney have a newer relationship, even for being, you know, they found out they were related. But it really did happen with the boudoir photography also. It is interesting how tame Heather is being when that was uh, her job for a while was boudoir photographer photography. Now, I didn't think the stuff about Whitney was insane or troubling or anything like that. But she did say, I think, something to the effect that Whitney is a sexual free spirit in, in some kind of form, and which I also didn't find offensive. Um, but uh, I thought that was interesting that that was her job. And... Uh, you know, that now it, it, it's some, I don't know. I just don't think, I don't know. I just feel like Heather is smart enough to realize that we don't need to be ashamed of sex. That of course you don't want to talk about your kids doing it, but it is not something to ever be ashamed of. I mean, it's just such a natural part of life that uh, we all, you know, eventually do. Uh, I just started a couple of years ago and it's been so great, you guys. So, so, you know what I'm saying? It's just this weird thing. But now Whitney, we find out, is offended about this book. And now I feel like there should be an episode where we just make everybody read the book that's in the cast and have each episode be about the different cast member being offended by something in Heather's book. I think it would be fun. 
So now they're all together. They're all dressed up in the foyer, waiting to go on this catamaran, and they're just waiting for Angie. We see Meredith, who kind of seems like she's stewing. Nobody's really talking to her. They all get on the sprinter van, and then uh, Angie's the last one to enter. She kind of like does this little trot, like, I'm Greek. I'm going to trot onto the sprinter van. And Lisa's like, oh my God, late, late, late. And so they're driving to this catamaran experience. And uh, <laughs> we see uh, Monica. Monica is shaving her legs in the Sprinter van, which I think is just, is that is that a normal thing? Do, do you guys shave in front of uh, your women friends on uh, a, you know, kind of a pseudo public transportation? And Whitney's like, are you shaving your legs on the go? On the go? And Angie's like, oh my God. Everybody's like freaked out. Like this is scandalous. Oh my God. Oh my God, you're doing this? And they're like, just don't shave your cooch on the bus. And Heather's laughing. Everybody's laughing. Um, so, so we, <laughs> this show is so ridiculous. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like these ladies literally suspicious of Meredith planting fake DMs about Angie being the mafia. Yet we still have the silliness of shaving one's legs in a sprinter van. I mean, what more can you ask from a show? This is Emmy worthy, truly. Um, so we pull up to this catamaran and Lisa literally is like, oh my God, it looks so good. Hi, hello to the driver. And they're all getting situated and Heather's like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Everybody's like, this is amazing. Meredith is just kind of El Solo Lobo and just walks on by herself. They immediately get greeted with drinks. So now we're gonna get a little loose. And uh, Angie says, the last time I was on a boat, my shoes went overboard. And we flash back to last season in San Diego. Remember this? When Jen Shaw threw Angie's very expensive shoes into the water. And we had that little, like, you know, description up. It says Angie K's shoes pointing down. I thought that was like, that was another thing that was just insane. Jen Shaw would always take it to level 20 of like, I'm going to make something happen. And I just don't think she ever needed to go that hard. You don't need to go that hard. See, like these ladies, weird things will just come up with actual just life and your own human behavior that you don't need to do insanity. But Angie K goes, but with all this tension today, I wouldn't be surprised if someone ends up sleeping with the fishes. Cause that's how the mafia goes. Right. That feels like another written line for Angie K of like, I would be, wouldn't be surprised if somebody's going to sleep with the fishes. I might murder somebody because I'm in the mafia. We're taking group photos on the catamaran and Meredith isn't on the group photos. She's just once again, little sick, little ET on the chair. And she's like, it's very clear that everyone is trying to kind of ice me out. So I'm on an island and I don't mean Bermuda. I mean, I am completely alone. And she really does look it. You really almost feel bad. She's just sitting in this sun chair looking very sickly. And this guy's like, okay, I'm going to be taking care of you today. We're going to, you know, pull up anchor. Uh, you know, you're more than willing, you know, free to explore the boat. If you have any questions, just let me know. Thank you for joining us today. And this boat is called Zara, which I think would have been amazing if it was called forever 21 to each their own. And um, they're talking about the ins and outs of catamarans. And Angie is asking what a catamaran means. And Lisa Barla goes, a catamaran? It's just like a super sick, strong boat. And Whitney's like, 
No, I think it means just like bigger like this. But I love that Lisa Barlow's like, oh my God, it just means a super sick, strong boat. I would love to see Lisa Barlow on the Titanic. Oh my God, Jack, this is like a super sick, strong boat. Oh my God, did we just hit an iceberg, Jack? Oh my God. You know Lisa Barlow would not share that piano lid with Leonardo DiCaprio, just like that Kate Winslet didn't either. Oh my God, Jack, I'm going to need this whole thing. I am like freezing. Oh my God. Yes. Hang on to the side, Jack. So we're on the catamaran and he's like, oh my God, it feels so amazing up here. Everybody's taking pictures, smile. Lisa goes down to the, uh, the liquor department. She's like, what do you guys have here? Do you have a gin and tonic? Um, oh my God, you're British. You better have gin. I do think it's fascinating to see Lisa on a trip where she is not pushing Vita tequila. Like the fact that Lisa Barlow is drinking gin where I'm like, oh my God, is like Vita tequila jealous that Lisa Barlow seems to have abandoned Vita tequila. I, I almost thought Lisa Barlow would just bring, I guess you can't bring, can you bring bottles of alcohol like Vita tequila to Bermuda? Anyways, they're, they're all pouring drinks and Whitney is exploring the boat. And by that, I mean, she's on a hand to the stairs acting like it's a stripper pole. Um, you know, Heather is looking at the uh, the long tails like, oh my God, there's Bermudian birds. And uh, Whitney is just, we keep going back to her, just swinging on this metal pole that leads up to the stairs. We get a shot of Meredith just by herself sitting at the front of the boat and Heather now goes to join her. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, Heather is reaching out, sees that Meredith is alone. Let's see what happens. And, uh, they, they, you know, she goes, Hey, we have a real friendship, Meredith. And I, I too was blindsided last night because they all think you're creating a fake account and sending DMS and Meredith very implicitly goes, well, I'm not, I am not. I mean, just hear me now, believe me later. I am not. And then Heather keeps going and then conveniently calling Monica. She said it was convenient. I am not. I am not doing that. Also, Heather is wearing a ridiculous straw hat. I keep using Brett Michaels, but I really kind of look to him for a lot of fashion. It looks like a bigger version of a Brett Michaels cowboy hat, but it's like, you know, a Bermudian straw hat. So Mary's like, I am not, Heather. I am not. And Heather's like, I do not understand this mess that you've gotten yourself in. Um, and I also do not understand your lack of a reaction and Meredith's like, I, by the way, I can understand it. Meredith seems very mellow. Meredith always seems like she is near a coma at all times, unless she gets rich. And then she'll go the flip side of like, you can leave. Anyways, Meredith's like, Heather, I am trying to process all this because there is a lot of elements here that aren't adding up. And Heather's like, tell me about it. I did not GM her information about Angie. I did not. I did not accuse Angie of being in the mafia. In fact, I told a story about the mafia and she planted that. Now we go to a Meredith Mark talking head where Meredith's like, on the flight back from Palm Springs, Monica and I sat next to each other. Now, when she's telling this story, the talking head, they literally do a flashback of a plane in the air. At this point, what, why don't we just use drawings? Like, uh, guys, I understand. I know what a plane looks like. I don't need to see the visual of a plane. Like, oh my God, a plane in the air. What does that even look like? So we see, we see the plane in the air. And I'd also like to, just for my own amusement, is we do so many flashbacks in these shows. Like, and as it gets later in the season, the show becomes more and more flashback heavy. All Bravo shows do this, not just Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. 
But wouldn't it be great if one season or just one episode, we tried to do dramatic reenactments and we have other actors play the parts of like all of these characters? I think it would just be more fun because at a certain point, I'm like, guys, I remember these scenes. They're burned into my memory like a lot of yours. I don't need to keep doing the flashbacks. And if we're going to keep doing it, why don't we just make it dramatic reenactments with actors? Anyways, Mary's like, and Monica was going into great detail on the plane. She was. And all kinds of rumors and dirt on Angie. And then a few weeks ago, I went to lunch with Monica, which we actually see this scene. They cheers in the scene. And so after our lunch, this is, you know, we're walking around Salt Lake. We were just chit-chatting and, you know, the like. And um, we, my friend told uh, me a story about a venue down or two that had been run by the Greek Mafia. Right? That's what we said. And Monica asked me, do you think Angie's a part of it? And we then see a flashback of... Of Angie K making it rain one dollar bills at her Greek Easter, they make it seem like sinister. Like this is the shot to go to that might put like, oh my God, she was raining down ones at Greek Easter. The only possible answer could be mafia. So they show that little flashback, and I said, I have no idea. And two or three weeks later, I receive all kinds of documents and information about Angie, and they were all tying back to the things. Monica had been telling me on that plane, which I thought was really weird to begin with. So why wouldn't I ask her, did you get this? Why wouldn't I ask her? But here's what's interesting, Heather. You know why I called her when I got that DM? Because the DM referenced a bunch of stuff that she had said to me. And that's why I called her. You know, at this point, I don't even uh, sorry, Heather says, at this point, I don't even know who to believe in a talking head. It seems like Monica hasn't really told us the full story, but Meredith's history with DMs and digging up dirt isn't making her look any better either. So Heather in the scene goes, you got to take care of it. And Meredith's like, well, I guess I just have to deal with Monica. And we see a shot of Monica on the catamaran. We see shots of Lisa and Angie just looking at each other. And Heather's like, yeah, you do. The sooner the better. And Meredith gives a look like, well, I don't know. I, I mean, who knows what, I don't even know what to do. So we're really, we're ramping up. What, what, so Jameson, the, the head uh, catamaran guy, they, they drop anchor and they're like, okay, we're going to be here. We're going to serve some tacos. Sure. And uh, just have a good time. And everybody's like, okay. And they're all sitting on top of the boat and they're getting some food. Everybody's enjoying the tacos and uh, we're like, okay, what's about to pop off? Is Meredith going to finally talk to Monica? Um, so <laughs> and we finally get it. We finally get Meredith going, um, Monica, can I talk to you for a sec, please? And Monica's like, yeah. In the talking head, Monica is like, oh, God. Oh, my God. And uh, everybody's like, yeah, put the taco down, down Monica. And in the talking head, Monica's like, can we please just talk after the taco? And Meredith sits her down and is like, so, you know, there's a lot of moving parts of, about last night. Um, and Monica's like, yeah, I believe there are. And I'm trying to decipher exactly what was going on. And Monica's like, okay. So what I want to know is how has this now become, I said she was in the mafia, and Monica's like, I don't know, which you then got DMs about, but you're saying that A, I sent you the DMs, and B, I told you these things. And Monica's like, okay, first of all, and Meredith's like, and neither of those things are true. And Monica goes, listen, I never came out and said, Meredith sent me these, okay? I never did. 
we absolutely had a conversation though about her being in the mafia. It felt very serious to me. And you were like, I know how we can find out. I'm Googling, you're Googling, Googling. We really thought that we really did. And so I hate that. And then Mary's like, no, I did not really think that. I love though that Monica's like, you, we, we both thought it was very serious and we both started Googling. <laughs> we, we thought it was so serious. We went to Google and Mary's like, I did not really think that. And I'm like, what? We both Googled Greek mafia in Utah. Now Monica's raising her voice. And Mary's like, right, that's not, that has nothing to do with Angie. I like that Mary's like, I am a very curious person and I like to learn new things. And I heard Greek mafia and I'm like, what is all that about? I love to learn. And Mary's like, it has nothing to do with Angie. And Monica's like, okay, it does. Because we were talking about Angie I, and how she's Greek and probably in the mafia, maybe. And we see Angie Kay look back with her big windshield wiper glasses of like, are they talking about me? Half suspicious, but half like, oh my God, I think I might have secured another season. So this is great. And Mary's like, how does she have her house? And Monica's like, yeah, you said she was going fucking break, but somehow she still, still has money. This is all the stuff you told me, Monica. This and in a talking head, Monica's like, this just sucks. I thought Mon I thought Meredith was my friend, and I definitely feel like she is leaving me. You know, just hanging me out there to dry. And Monica in the scene goes, why can't you, Meredith, stop lying enough? Stop lying. Lisa. Oh, sorry. This is when Lisa Barlow comes up and it's like, Meredith, stop lying. And Meredith's like, I'm not. You are. You're lying. You are a liar. And Lisa is fully standing up, not even close to them, just pointing, going, you're lying right now. Don't do this to Monica. And it seems like, I don't know, Lisa Barlow, it seems like, she, I think it's just beach towels, but like she looks like she's wrapped up in a shroud. And she's like, you did it to Whitney. You've done it to Meredith. You've done it to me. You've done it to all of us. Just admit it. You fucked up. Say, I fucked up. And we can all move on. You're hurting good people. Stop it. And Meredith doesn't even seem to get her BPM over 70. She's like, Okay. Okay. Seriously, stop. Enough. Lisha, stop yelling at me. Please just stop yelling. It's just ridiculous. I'm not going to stop yelling at you, Meredith. It doesn't affect me anymore. Stop yelling at me. So calm. You're not fucking calm. You're a mess. You're a fucking mess. And Meredith takes all this in and goes, okay, okay. And you're losing all your fucking friends, Meredith, because you can't stop. And Meredith goes, oh, I have many many friends. Oh, that's where you're wrong. I have many, many friends. You don't even know that. I have, what if you, this is the moment we find out Meredith has had an imaginary friend since she was like five. Uh, you know, my my imaginary friend, Fred. I've had this imaginary friend, Fred, and uh, he's one of my best friends ever. And we share everything. So take that, Lisa Barlow. And Lisa's like, okay, then, but you're not going to have many, many more when they see what a fucking liar you are and you can't leave people alone. Okay, fine, Lisa Barlow, fine. And, you know, Heather is like, hey, does, does Monica get a pass just be, you know, even though she's participating? Like, why does Monica get a pass? And, you know, Lisa's like, no, she doesn't get a pass. 
this doesn't fucking make sense to me. No, she doesn't get a pass. Like you embraced her. She all, you know, at least Monica's being honest about it though. In a talking head, Lisa goes, this is exactly what I expected from Meredith. It's like, at this point, it's just like, it's like, nobody's interested in hearing. I didn't do it anymore. Like you're busted. And in this scene, she's like, you guys, this is ridiculous. And it's literally like tie her up and throw her overboard or like get some answers at this point. Like you're going to own what you did. Now back in the Meredith Monica scene, Meredith goes, this is exhausting. And Angie's like, oh yeah. Cause now they're all up in this scene. They're all up in this conversation. And Angie's like, yeah, I'm sure it is. And this is like, yeah, if you lie. And he's like, yeah, we're exhausted. And Mary's like, I don't fucking lie. I'm not lying. I just, I'm not, I'm not lying. And Angie's like, I'm just exhausted about accusations. Everyone's about friends, about me and my fucking family and my business. I didn't make the accusations. I did not make the accusations. And this is when Angie goes, (laughs) Angie goes, listen, the reason you hear about me in Salt Lake, I own the streets. I love this. This is one of my, I, I, I have been in Salt Lake City, okay? I own the streets of Salt Lake City because I am a fucking reputable businesswoman. The only thing she's leaving out here is I'm a reputable fucking Greek businesswoman. But I love that Angie's like, the reason you hear about me is because I own the fucking streets of Salt Lake because I am a reputable businesswoman. I am the Chris Jenner of Salt Lake. And Mara's like, I am not bringing up rumors, number one, okay? And Lisa's like, you look fucking guilty. I believe that you sent them to her from a fake account or had somebody send them to her from a fake account. And I believe she is telling the truth, Monica, and you're mixing words. And this story doesn't add up. And Whitney goes, yes, this story doesn't add up, but I believe Monica because I participated in rumors and gossip. And shitty behavior with Meredith last year. I love, I don't know. I just love the way Whitney phrased that of like, I believe it in it because I participated in shitty behavior. <laughs> so I believe Monica because I see the pattern. And we flash back to that scene from last season where Meredith uh, and Whitney are talking in Whitney's front yard with a charcuterie board. And Meredith's like, well, Lisa, she's just so hypocritical. There were all these rumors flying about her. Uh, about her and when he's like what have you heard well jen just made reference to there having been affairs you know and whitney just kind of stares at her like uh so now back on the boat lisa's like some fucking documents appear about any of us i'm gonna think you did it too meredith because it's a pattern and i'm sick of it it's bullshit and lisa walks away and Meredith's like hold on here just hold on. i'm tired of hearing that because that is incorrect it is, and I'm getting very irritated about everyone narrating me. Don't narrate me. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great tea. Do not narrate me. You can leave if you narrate me. Nobody would narrate Meredith Marks except my husband, Seth Marks. I'm going to narrate Meredith. I'm going to tell her to put her toe in my butt when I'm in a bathtub. That's how I'm going to narrate the scene like a Harlequin romance novel. I'm Seth. I got a big business in Canton, Ohio, babe. Um, so back on the catamaran, Lisa's like, don't dig up shit on your friends. Mer- and when he's like, Meredith, if you would just own it and stop, this would all go away. I'm getting really fucking pissed off. I really am. 
I'm really getting fucking pissed off. Don't narrate me. And she walks off and everybody's like, oh my God. Oh my God. We just see shots of all the women. Heather downs her champagne. But it is interesting with the housewives, right? Because one of the tactics we now have housewives use is people digging up information on their castmates. We see it happen a lot in Jersey. We see it happen in Beverly Hills. I mean, I think if you're in this scene, you've all heard about the housewives that will slide into anybody's DMs and try to get information. I hear somebody in OC, like I know for a fact, I've seen a couple of these people that be like, tell me what you know. And it's like they're collecting little horcruxes from Harry Potter to use against their castmates at some point. It's very interesting. And that's why I will always use the example of the uh, CBS show Survivor that Housewives has turned into Survivor in some ways. Because it's like you better make sure your side of the street is clean if you're going to get on a Housewives show. If not, it is going to get brought up. Any rumor is going to get brought up. It's all going to get brought up. So Meredith storms out. I am really fucking pissed off right now. And she's like, I know who I am. I know what I do. And I know what I don't do. She says in a talking head, like, if you guys want to believe this woman, Monica, over me, that's on you at the end of the day. Like, I'm not going to pour my energy into some morons trying to accuse me of things I didn't do. And, you know, you know, Lisa's like, clearly we're not getting anywhere. I'm just going to have some fun. We're on a beautiful, sick ass catamaran. Let's go have fun. This is another example of them just having an intense argument of like, okay, it's done now. Let's go have some fun. Um, even though we have, have no closure on any of this and Whitney now like, let's go swimming. And she takes off her, um, her hair extensions. And then Angie Katzenavis puts it on, uh, her hips and starts doing what I'm guessing is belly dancing. I don't know if that's a Greek thing or not. Um, and then, uh, we see Monica and Whitney jump into the, the beautiful blue water. They're getting wet. Everybody's excited. So we're now on to a fun water play scene. Whitney's in out. They make a joke about her cleaning her cooch. A lot of cooch jokes this episode. And, uh, so then now Meredith is another scene again. Uh, angry. She comes up with a plate of food and she sits down next to Angie Katzenavis and she goes, Hey, listen, I think there's a lot of stuff going on that is um, inciting a lot of issues, but I think we do need to sit down and talk. Um, and Angie's like, I just, I don't know what to believe. Uh, the reason I called Monica is because some of those things that were in some of those DMs were things that she had already mentioned to me. And that's why I said, did you get a DM? That was it. Well, why would you even entertain Meredith or tell her to look at this or ask her about a DM? Uh, if I got a fraudulent DM about you know someone that I knew was bullshit, I wouldn't even say, oh, did you see this? Because who gives a shit? I'm not a fraud. I'm not. And the fact that you're possibly scared of me and think I'm some terrifying mafia member, I'm not scared of you. I don't, I would, you know, I don't like somebody yelling and screaming. And the way you treat me, Angie, think about it. If you were standing in my beautiful shoes, why do I want to be around? Like, it's just, why do I be on? It's unpleasant every time. And it just, it doesn't stop, Angie K. So I don't know if we can reset and try to be pleasant. But you need to know that I'm not out to get you. Um, I love that. I'm not out to get you. I don't want to have any problems with mafia, please. <laughs> I just 
But also, this is another scene of like in normal situations, you don't go back for a round two of trying to make it work initially. And I do wonder if there is some kind of producer intervention of Meredith storms off or producers like Meredith. We need, you know, listen, I know it's tough. I know you're doing a lot. You're doing amazing. We're, we're watching the footage. You're really popping on screen. But we do need you. You know, we just need you to sit down with Angie and just speak your mind, please. That's all we need. Like, is there encouragement or is this on Meredith going like, I need to clear things up now after she stormed off? So Angie's like, thank you, Meredith, because that's all I wanted from you last night is just some acknowledgement, which really is kind of Angie K's thesis statement. She just wants some acknowledgement. She just wants to be a part of the cast. And you almost feel for her. I think now, like I said, she is definitely earned her spot on this cast. So Angie's like, I just want to move forward. And in a talking head, she's like, look, I don't trust Meredith, but if she's willing to take accountability, I'll give her the chance to prove herself. And if she proves she can be trusted, fine. But if she continues to try to destroy my reputation, then I'm done. So they kind of have a, you know, a timid truce. They get up and uh, everybody's drinking more. And Meredith comes up to Heather and Lisa and goes, listen, so um, Angie and I just had a talk. And the final conclusion is she's taking a hit out on me. And, uh, you know, Lisa just stares at her like, what? And Mary goes, I'm kidding. Oh my God, I'm kidding. <laughs> and Lisa's like, oh my God, what? And it's like, and then we're all laughing all of a sudden, like everything's fixed. You guys, everything's fixed. So, so bizarre. Um, I, I true, it, it just turns on a dime. It never makes sense how it goes this. So now we're back on the sprinter van. And when he's like, I planned a beautiful dinner for us at a place called blue. So everybody has two hours to get ready. And Meredith's like, okay, okay. And Meredith now uh, gets up and sits next to Whitney. Uh, sorry, sits next to Lisa Barlow at the back of the Sprinter van. So Meredith approaches like, listen, um, you know, today was a mash, all right, okay. Um, and I think, okay, what is going on? And Meredith, in her most slurred voice yet this episode, goes, you may not be... Um, I'm mad. You may be mad at me, but I do have an issue with you. It's very slurry. And there's actually a subtitle there on the screen that they put up. And Lisa's like, okay, um, what's going on? So actually, she's just saying, like, you may not be through with me, but I do have something I want to share with you. Um, uh, and she's talking about Brooks got signed to a modeling agency. She's like, I, well, he got signed with something. I had a, a brief call with Brooks on the catamaran. And we flash back to this conversation where Meredith, uh, you know, is talking to Brooks, her son. And, you know, he got signed to a big agency. And Mary's like, you know, absolutely. I mean, it's such a reputable agency. Yeah, Brooks, it's like one of the best in the business. So uh, she's like, uh, you know, she's explaining this to Lisa. And she's like, um, he goes, um, lean into Lisa. She knows who you really are. So Brooks is giving his mom, Meredith, advice on, so after all of this fighting, Lisa Barlow screaming that you're a, you're a liar on the catamaran and Monica sees that all of a sudden they're getting along, they're looking at something on the phone and Monica in a talking head's like, listen, this makes zero sense to me. Why all of a sudden can Lisa and Meredith be literally screaming at each other, but now Meredith is kissing Lisa's ass and, uh, 
it just didn't, it doesn't even make sense to me, but that's just seems to be how their relationship goes. Um, so everybody else is having a good time on this, uh, the Sprinter van ride home. So then, uh, Whitney and Heather are kind of having a, a joke about, uh, somebody putting their nose in somebody's butt. Uh, it's a little sexy talk, Jonathan, the driver's getting involved. Everybody's laughing. And then Monica jumps into this conversation as well. And Heather's like, listen, you know, my boundaries. I don't, I, I can't even have this conversation, even though Heather was just laughing with Whitney about it a second ago. And Monica's like, oh my God, Heather, you know, just has to keep shaming me. I just, I don't get it. Um, and, uh, it just doesn't make sense. And Whitney's like, yeah. And a talking head's like, why is she doing this instead of empowering me? And Heather's acting like she is just too prude. And Whitney's like, I'm so confused by your boundaries sometimes. I just don't get it. So once again, this is being called out from Heather. They get back to the big old mansion and everybody's going to get ready for the dinner. So we're in Whitney's bedroom and Monica's in there and Andy, I guess, is Whitney's glam artist. And Monica is going to use him as well. So they're then having a conversation where Monica's like, I felt like I was crazy on that Sprinter van ride home. Like, I just don't even know which way is up. I feel like it's like Meredith now knows Monica's not doing what I want anymore. And so now I have to switch back to Lisa and I'm going to make Monica the piece of shit now. And it feels like, oh shit, Monica just left me out here alone because she came out with all her crap that we were talking about with Angie. So Monica's telling all this to Whitney. And now I have to hurry and do damage control and get them back on my side. She's talking about what, you know, Meredith is thinking. Whitney's like, you're exactly right. I believe you. And I think she is starting to realize that um, she's not going to be able to get away with it anymore. And Monica's like, it's the craziest shit I've ever seen. And she's like, we'll get to the bottom of it tonight. We will. We'll get to the bottom of it. Now we do the typical housewife scene where everybody's getting ready for the meal. And Angie Katzenavis and Meredith Marks are the first two in the, uh, you know, the foyer area. Meredith Marks is dressing in a lot of purples this trip. And in fact, this, she kind of looks like Jack Nicholson's The Joker, a much more beautiful version, but a Joker nonetheless. And Angie and Meredith are acting like nothing's ever happened. They're like, oh, you look so beautiful. You look great, too. We've got very blingy purses. Um, you know, yeah, we're both very sparkly and kind of pastel-y, I guess. Yes, we are. And then Heather comes out. She looks great. Monica comes out all in green and everybody's hugging each other. And Lisa comes out of like, let's do it. Uh-huh. Let's go. This is going to be a blast. So the restaurant is beautiful. Sushi restaurant. We're seeing the views. And then they sit at the table and each one of these ladies are just taking selfies one after another. And in a talking head, a producer asked Whitney, hey, how many selfies do you think you've taken? If I had to guess, actually, your phone will tell you how many selfies you've taken. I've taken 7,297 selfies. And now this is actually a little bit of a fun scene because we're going to find out how many each one of these ladies has taken. Now, Heather Gay has taken 11,205 selfies. And that's like beats Whitney's right out of the water. And uh, let's see who else here. And then Whitney goes, I'd like to know Lisa Barlow's count on selfies. And we see uh, 
we see them all still taking selfies in the scene. And then Lisa Barlow goes, well, according to my iPhone, I have 28,802 selfies, which is probably why I need two terabytes of storage. Listen, when you are as attractive as Lisa Barlow, you got to take the selfies. You got to take, let's see how many selfies I've taken here. Um, but I, I will say self, it, it's just like any close shot. Let's see here. Selfies. Okay. I've taken 5,305 and now I'm looking at some of them right now though. And it's like, it's like, I'm in a bonnet. It's like, there's like eight of them of me in a bonnet. There's like any, anytime you take a close selfie shot, even if other people are in it. Oh, here's one with me and John Barlow. Oh, these are a lot of BravoCon things. It's like the selfie. It's not just you in these, but anyways, 5,000, that's, that's pretty big, but it, it goes nowhere need near Lisa Barlow, but Lisa Barlow truly is a work of art. So you are going to take as many as Lisa Barlow would. So they're all ordering, ordering food. Heather orders the beef tenderloin, which is what my sister made tonight. It was delicious. Even though my stomach is still hurting now at the dinner table, Monica is like, Oh my God, my face, something is wrong with the left side of my face. The last like day. Um, it just, it just, I feel, and, and Heather's like, smile, smile, real big smile. And Monica's like, I am. And she's not, obviously it's a joke. And they're like, oh, just kidding. And Heather cracks up. And then Monica's like, maybe I'm having a stroke. And Heather's like, no, cause you would have no muscle control. And Heather reveals, she's like, I've had Bell's palsy, full facial paralysis. She's like, really? Yeah. So it paralyzes half of your face and you can't really smile. And I still only have like 98% back. And Angie's like, oh, I'm sure that that is very scary. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That would freak me out. Oh my gosh. And Heather now tells a story. She's like, I had to get my Costco card, you know, a picture. And in the picture, I, I have this little smirk because, you know, I just had to tape my eye and we see Heather Gay's Costco card, very personal image of, you know, any, when you share somebody's, share your Costco card with somebody, that's very personal, but I will tell you this. I can see exactly what she's talking about in terms of the smirk with the Bell's palsy, you know, but it also looks complete. I don't care if she had Bell's palsy or not, but Heather Gay looks very, very different in older pictures as to what she looks like now. I'm not saying she looks better, worse in either of these, but it does look very much like two different people. Am I the only one that thinks this? But to me, I was like, that's Heather. Like you can see a little bit of Heather in there, but she looks so, so different. And like I said, not bad different, but it's just, it, it seems like a very different person. Um, but Heather is going like, listen, I was going around talking, the, taking the kids to school, just like going like, I'm a monster. I'm an elephant man. Oh my gosh. I Heather, what if Heather Gay gets so stressed, the Bell's palsy? Cause I think sometimes it can like act up with stress. Meditza who works on the show, she's had Bell's palsy. She had facial paralysis a couple of years ago. I think I, time means nothing anymore, but like she had this and it kind of froze up. Remember Justin Bieber had like a form of this. But I love the Heather Gay. Like, what if Heather Gay comes next season with half facial paralysis? But I don't know. That Costco card was a complete trip. Um, so uh, Heather's like, well, listen, it humbled the shit out of me. It felt like God struck me down and said, hey, not today, Satan. Yeah, it really, it did really make me fat. Like, um, she's like, sure, facial paralysis is funny now. And I'm talking to she says, but it was really horrible, horrible time of my night life. It was stress induced. My husband had just left. I had three kids under the age of eight and I got struck with facial paralysis as I was trying to enter the dating scene. 
Um, and this is what it was like. And she does the face. And I had to talk like this every day. I said, oh, thank you for coming to the church. I sounded like Meredith March for the love of God. I was just trying to live my life. I was a new mom. And I was like, come at me, boys. And in the scene, Heather's like, it's all in the book, ladies. Read the book. It's all in the book. So we now get our thousandth plug of Bad Mormon by Heather Gay. Did anybody get Bad Mormon for a Christmas gift? Or did they buy it for anybody for Christmas? So we get another plug for the book. And... You know, Monica looks across at Meredith and goes, are you crying to Meredith? And Meredith's like, no, no. And Monica's like, are, are you sure? Are you, are you okay? And when he's like, what's wrong? I don't know. You know, I just don't know. And uh, Monica goes, hey, let's talk about this because I'm getting some weird energy. It's very weird energy. And frankly, Meredith, I don't like it. So Monica taking the bull by the horn and Meredith's like, well, I don't like it either. I hate it. I'm very upset. And Monica's like, I am upset as well. Because, you know, I saw you two screaming at each other. She's talking about Lisa Barlow. And then you go back in the bus with Lisa and you guys are like, he, 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 but you're so mad at me. Like you won't even look at me. You won't talk to me. Like it sucks. And I'm getting emotional. Am I not allowed to sit down and talk to Lisa Barlow? What's wrong with that? I feel like I came very hard today, but I think it's like a sister thing. Like me and my sisters fight all the time. I mean, I can be like, die, bitch, and like go shopping five minutes later, you know? So I think it was very confusing. I made a choice when we reconciled our friendship, Lisa Barlow, to accept who you are, a dumb bitch. She doesn't say, and part of who you are is you get heated. You have a bit of a meltdown sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Lisa probably goes, yeah, that's me. But, and you move forward. Yeah. And Monica goes, but you're mad at me. I didn't say I'm not mad at her. I didn't say like, I'm letting it go. It doesn't mean that we don't have something hanging over our heads. You know, there's a step. Yeah. There's a step in the middle. Well, I would like a middle step as well. Cause you won't even look at me. You won't talk to me. That's not how we are. And Monica is just, she goes unreal dude. You know? Okay. Well, let's, let's move on then. Let's just, okay. Let's move on. And so Monica's pissed. Everybody's just kind of like, Oh boy, there's a lot of shots of each one of the ladies. And, uh, so now somebody goes, hey, does, it, uh, does anyone have any fun summer travel plans? And Heather's like, Ashley's going to Florence. Oh, amazing, amazing. And Heather goes, Jack's going on a mission, right? July 24th, right? Um, oh, yeah, he'll be there overseas summering. He'll be there in June. And when he's like, that's fast, the 24th. Even, yeah, even me being here, I'm like loving it. I love Bermuda and I can't wait to come back, but I'm like missing days. You know what I mean? Because it's the countdown and I can't think of it with Jack or I'll cry. And it's just like, I know like that's it. Like I know he's never really coming home again. And she's like starting to cry. And I was like, I know, I know. And listen, in all seriousness, that suck for a parent. That has got to suck for a parent of, letting your child go in some way of realizing that they are growing older, that you've raised them and now you are setting them out into the world and it's never going to be the same. I mean, we've all gone through that experience with our families, you know, and that you do come back. It'll always be your home. It's where you were raised, but there is something that I would imagine so heartbreaking for a parent that truly loves their children that they do have to let them fly free. They do let them, they have to let them learn about life away from them, make their own mistakes. 
And that has got to be the most challenging part for a parent. And we do know, even though we tease Lisa Barlow a lot, that she desperately loves her kids. So I do have empathy for her. And I think everybody at the table in this moment has empathy. And she's like, it's just the thought of not having him. And, uh, you know, Heather's like, Lisa's emotions and behavior has been all over the place the last couple of months. And then when he's like, but hearing her open up and talking about Jack's leaving, um, I, I think that we should give her a little bit of grace. Now, Whitney really, it, it seems to be clicking, checking the boxes off for uh, housewife sayings. Now, she said, uh, you know, earlier she said, own it. And now she says, grace, we've got to give her grace. That's a classic housewives i feel like we should pay her 50 and we should pay housewives like 50 to 100 dollars if they drop like a, a trope a housewives trope in an episode so when he's like i mean i can't imagine when the day comes when bobby's gonna leave the nest well whitney maybe you shouldn't have bought bobby a mercedes-benz golf cart to like get her out of there earlier if i was bobby i would just be tooling around on that thing like how far can I take this? Can I get this to Los Angeles? Anyways, Whitney's like, that has to be really, really scary. I love these moments. I really do. Um, because it's that thing where they can all relate to each other and we need that. We need those moments. When he goes, I feel like we need to redo last night. Monica's birthday got sideways and there's a bar. It's the oldest bar on the island. It is. And is everyone down to go later? And everybody's like, okay, okay. So happy birthday to Monica. And we wish Monica a happy birthday again. Everybody's cheers, but we know we're going to go to this old bar. What could possibly happen at this old bar? So we're now at this old bar. It's called the Swizzle Inn the swizzle in and uh you know lisa barlow and whitney are at the bar and lisa's like we heard this is the coolest bar in bermuda and we see the ceiling and a lot of like it's like a lot of dollar bills are like stapled to the ceiling thank god jen shaw wasn't there she'd be reaching for all these things she'd be like look over there just ripping these dollar bills from the ceilings so everybody's in this old bar uh everybody seems kind of a little tipsy uh, we see all of the bar decor and Lisa's like, I need a pina colada. Heather walks in, Angie walks in, Monica walks in. Everybody is very impressed with this bar. I love a good dive bar. I mean, this does seem like a fun place. They've got these rum drinks. Everybody is taking selfies, taking pictures, drinking rum. Everybody seems happy. Like, you know, Monica and Angie are taking like Bratz doll photos, Heather says. Um, and it just seems like everybody's good, but we know with housewives, that's another trope that things can turn on a dime. They're all dancing, laughing. Everybody's, you know, the other people in the bar dancing and laughing. Everybody is just on their best behavior right now. It's like one of those moments they're all bonding and, uh, we don't know possibly what's next. So they're, and all of a sudden Angie Katsanavis says, we should play a game, almost kind of like that little Billy the Puppet and Sav, like, would you like to play a game? Would you like to play a game? So we're like, oh, shit. And everybody's like, no, no, we, we shouldn't do Like, We're not. Let's not do that. Let's not start shit because the games always go south. And Lisa goes, OK, let's play a game. Who has read your book, Heather? Who has read your book? And Heather goes, it doesn't matter who's read it. It matters who bought it, right? That's what the real thing is. And Angie goes, I bought your book. And then Lisa goes, Monica, did you buy her book? And uh, Monica goes, yeah, on audio. And Lisa goes, I bought it. I bought your book. It's at my house. How many have you sold? Do you know how many you have sold? And Heather's like, well, 
book scan, I mean, I think at last count, we were like tens of thousands and Monica gasped and like, oh my God, because all of a sudden the lights start dimming. It's like flashing like aliens or something. And I was like, oh my God, what's happening? And they're like, oh, Bermuda Triangle. That's the Bermuda Triangle curse. Oh, and everybody's like, suspenseful music is playing. And Heather just keeps looking up at the fading lights, which I'm sure production just says like, hey, would you flip the lights back and forth, please? And Wendy, all of a sudden, at this moment goes, I've read your book, Heather. I have read your book. And last night you were so uncomfortable um, to talk about sex with Monica. You were. And last night was hard for me. You told her to shut the fuck up, but you openly write about my sexuality in your book, Heather Gay. And then Heather's like, I wrote the book and it has nothing to do with your sexuality. I told an antidote about you soliciting me for a boudoir photo. And you talked about me taking my clothes off, slinging my panties as it happened. I think that is hypocritical that you won't talk about your own life, but you'll write about mine in your book. In a talking head, Heather's like, I don't talk about Whitney's sex life in my book. I describe when I first met her, I was a boudoir photographer and she was a sexy model. Which don't, I mean, this is when I wish cameras were there. Wouldn't you love the Muppet Babies version of this relationship of when they first met? And Whitney in this scene goes, you never asked for my permission to write about my sex. I wrote to you four times before. You said, take out the part where it's my decision to take the panties off. And I did. I took it because you heard every single word. You knew what it was before it went to print. You're missing the point, Heather Gay. You won't talk about asexuality, but you'll fucking exploit my... <laughs> sorry, I sorry, it's bless me. I get uh sneezy when I talk about Heather Gay's book. But she's like, You'll talk about my sexuality to fucking sell your book. And like I'm like, oh my god, Whitney's really going for it. And Heather takes this in. And in a talking head, Heather's like, What is Whitney trying to do? Take credit for the book being a bestseller because she and my friends are in it? It's just not tr true. We've discussed the book a hundred times and she knows what was in it and she knows that it's not about her. It's called Bad Mormon, not Bad Shitty Friends. And I feel really bad. I told one stupid story about your boudoir photography session, Whitney, and every word of it was true. Yeah, and then, but you won't talk about sex with her. Every word of it was fucking true, Whitney. I never talked about your sex life. And. <laughs> Monica tells Angie, maybe we should skip to that fucking chapter so we know what she said. <laughs> I love this. And then when he goes, you exploited my sexuality in your book. Do you understand what you're saying? Because you sound like a fucking idiot. Oh, you sound, I, you sound like a hypocrite. And when he's very proud of that, you sound like a hypocrite. You sound like a hypocrite. You sound like, and, and Heather just seems like, she seems a little tipsy, but she also is like, you can tell she's getting pissed. Because remember, I do think Heather definitely thinks she's better than Whitney. Now, all of these ladies are like, oh my God. And now Heather goes, I'm an actual New York Times bestselling author. Good for you. Good for you, Whitney says. Also, it's never a good argument when you have to say you're a New York Times bestselling author. I mean, it's cool, but like, you know, we don't use it in arguments. And I think, Whitney, you're a ridiculous bitch for even saying it. And Heather Gay gets up and like just kind of steamrolls. She kind of like, remember uh, a couple seasons, or maybe it was last season when they're at the lingerie party, I think in Arizona, and like Heather Gay literally picked Whitney up, just like brute force and just like didn't throw her, but just like physically moved her. Now Heather Gay gets up and just like, she's like, I want to leave right now. And when he's like, no, no, you're pushing me. You're don't. Oh my God. And Monica's like, Heather, Heather, you took my shoe off Heather. Cause Heather just like steamrolls past her. You exploited my sexuality. And Heather's like, no, I didn't. You're wearing your sexuality right now. Own it. And points at 
Whitney's beautiful white outfit that she's wearing because it shows a little skin. And Heather walks out and Whitney goes, holy fucking shit. And the camera people are our camera people like run after Heather and Whitney now runs out. This is my feeling, Heather. This is my feeling. And Lisa's like, I, Lisa Barlow goes, I'm staying out of it. I'm like staying out of it. And then Whitney's like, Heather, it's not that like, like Heather is like making a beeline for the Sprinter van. She must need to piss and puke again. No, she's like making a beeline. And Whitney's like, Heather, it's not fair that you sex shame Monica. It's not fair that you do that and exploit my sexuality in her book. Like Whitney's like, really? Why are you so defensive about it? Heather, I want to have a conversation with you. I don't want, and Heather's like, I don't want to have a conversation with you. You are drunk and crazy. I don't want to have a conversation with you. I'm not drunk or crazy. You are both, Whitney. You are both. No, no, you're guilty because you know you exploited my vagina in your book. Now, that's a great title for Whitney's book, um, Exploiting My Vagina, <laughs> the, the Whitney story. You exploited my vagina in your book. Ex- and, and Heather goes, exploited? And Heather is talking to the producer. Heather goes, get her away from me right now. And Whitney keeps screaming, you exploited my vagina in your book. You exploited my vagina in her book. And uh, and she's like, and, and she goes, and you exploited something I did for my husband in your book, which is the boudoir photography. And we see Heather is now beelined it across the uh, across the street, we just see her in a distance, sh- a distant shot. And Whitney's like, "That's the fucking truth, and that's why you're running away, and you can't stand in my face because you know I'm right. So stop fucking lying and owning your shit." And she's like yelling; she's really getting into it. Now, a producer, another producer, runs over to Heather, and we see like bushes, we see shaky camera, all the good stuff that we love, and we see a producer like kind of gently approach Heather from a distance. And, and this is one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite parts uh, of this whole scene, what Heather says right here, because I've never heard somebody say it quite like this. Heather says to the producer, stop talking, please. I would just like a moment. I would like to have a think. She goes, I would like to have a think. I would, I, she goes, like, I would really like to have a think. And I'm like, I want to start talking like that of like, I would really like to have a think right now. I would like to have a think. Please stop talking to me. I would really like to have a think right now. I would like to think. I would like to have a think. I love, I would like to have a think. I'd like to have a think. I don't know why. That just, I, I'm enamored with that wording. I'd like to have a think. And then it goes, next time on the season finale of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And we see flashbacks of all season long. The ladies are like, are you ready to go home from Bermuda? This is only day three, by the way, this past week's episode. They're riding uh, little scooters. Uh, we see them arriving for their last dinner. And Heather's like, the theme is Bermuda Triangle. The tables are set up like a triangle. And then we hear screaming. And we see the the scene that opened up this season of shaky camera at the house. And they're like, leave. I can't. I can't do this right now. And pushing the camera guy away and going into a room. And Heather in the preview goes, I had some information confirmed today. You guys, no, seriously, get the fuck out. to the camp. She's someone that has schemed, Heather says. And we're seeing clips of everybody walking. I want to confront her, Heather says. She's not our friend. And then we hear going, Meredith going, what did you do? And Lisa going, disgusting. And Whitney's like, there's a dark ass secret. And then Heather going, true timeline, 
everything proven that you are a fucking bully. And then Heather back in the closet going, I can't believe it's her. I can't believe it's her. So we find out all of this information next Tuesday on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Listen, it's obviously Monica doing something. I'm so curious what we find out. And what we were talking about that idea earlier, I'm curious if Heather knew this all along and saved this because Heather is one of the smartest players in Housewives. She just got so damaged by the Jen Shaw of it all. And she's slowly worked her way back in. But I do think Heather is one of those people that potentially collects information and she's not fully insane. She knows how to play it. She does, you know, so I'm so curious what's gets brought in, but it obviously is about Monica. Now, the thing I wanted to talk about really quickly about Monica Garcia and her supposed social media accounts. So Monica is allegedly, they're saying she's behind this uh, Instagram and Twitter account, Reality Von Tease, T-E-A-S-E. Now I'm looking at this on my Instagram right now. There's two, Reality Von Tease and Rea Reality Von Tease 2. And it says, your local Real Housewives of Salt Lake City hot tea ho for entertainment purposes only. Now I will say, I follow this account, I guess. I didn't realize. And the last time they posted was 69 weeks ago. They follow me too. Um, so it looks like it was a lot of Jen Shaw stuff, a lot of free Jen Shaw. There's some Bravo docket stuff on here, a lot about Jen Shaw's case. Um, interesting. So I thought Jen Shaw was initially behind this account, but remember Monica did have association with Jen Shaw. So that's interesting. And listen, I'm going to just throw a pie in the sky. Hail Mary shot. What if the call that Heather gets is from Jen Shaw? What if Jen Shaw is the person that tips Heather off that Monica is beyond the reality Von T's account? Now, if that is what that surprise is, it would then make it more likely that Monica is the one that is making up other accounts if she's doing an account that is solely making fun of these ladies and putting out really horrible information about them. But what if it's Jen Shaw that tips Heather off? What if we get a call from, will you accept the call from this prison? Like, could we see a world in which that happens? I don't know. I'm putting it out here right now, but it is a fascinating aspect to the story. Now, I will say I do still love Monica in a, you know, just for entertainment value only. But the other weird thing too, not weird, but just she's had a tough week. She, uh, in the last couple of days, she posted a story saying she tested positive for COVID. She also says in the last week she was hospitalized last week for a panic attack due to recent life changes. Um, so she is going through obviously a lot. I don't know if that's protection or, or pot potentially, so we can empathize with her a little bit more once this information comes out. Who knows? They've already shot the reunion, so it's going to be really interesting. And I will say it is very late here, but I just looked at Instagram to find this account. And guess who just posted five minutes ago? Miss Alexis Bellino. Now, we started off this episode talking about Alexis and Johnny J, but Alexis posted this five minutes ago, and it's a picture of her and John Jansen, Johnny J., two photos of them. And it, and this is the caption. It says, Johnny J, you have shown me love that I've never known. I love you guys. This is what are we like a month and a half into this? I mean, Johnny J first of Johnny J that's criminal. Secondly, you have shown me love that I've never known. Like we've seen Johnny J on this show. It doesn't look like he's like showing love to a lot of, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so befuddled, but here's another Alexis thing. 
Oh, she's just lip syncing to a Justin Bieber show. Justin Bieber song says this Christmas is a time of law. Oh yeah. Listen, this is where I do totally feel for Alexis. I know Alexis lost her mom in the last year. So I don't know, man. I don't know what to believe with any of these kooks. I'm a kook too. You're a kook. We're all weirdos. Um, but the Johnny J, I think that, uh, listen, we got to just not, we just got to not call him Johnny J. That's very troubling, but guys, we did it a very long episode. Uh, I, I was trying to make this super short or I didn't feel like doing a long one, but then I get doing it and it makes me feel good. And I like talking to you guys and, uh, thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for all the well wishes. Thanks for checking in. Thanks for asking about mom. We got through it and, uh, onwards and upwards. And uh, I will talk to you again on Wednesday. I hope you have a gentle re-entry into the remaining week of 2023. Okay, bye guys. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey at gmail.com and follow the show at so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.